0: Who am I again? So you're uh, Wyatt Earp. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell's coming with you, man. Hell's coming with me. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins.
1: everybody welcome to the sin cast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott Hi, ho neighbors yeah <laughs> and from music video sins barrett share hi everyone and we are a week removed from that jesse malton interview and it seems like everybody loved that yeah right yeah
2: i'm so glad because I, I think the three of us thought before we published it this is one of the best ones we've done i even tweeted that when i sent it out yeah but it, i'm glad to see the feedback was similar and, uh, and she was great you know for what she later said on twitter was the first time she's been interviewed without her dad yeah i didn't, um, I didn't know that. i didn't know that either <laughs> uh but she was great so i don't know um, i hope she's not it's uh, worried the next time she does something like that yeah yeah
1: and uh see i'm glad everybody enjoyed that and we we really much enjoyed being uh in the room doing that mm-hmm. one so Uh, We're going to go back to uh, regularly scheduled programming today. We're going to uh, define the decade that was the, the aughts. Let's put a smile on that
3: face. Honey! What? Where's my super suit? You shall not
1: pass! Don't move till you're numb. With great power comes great responsibility. I am Iron Man. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. The, the zeros, the O-O's. the two thousands. <laughs> there's a many. There's many ways that uh, that I always say "ought," and I'll tell you why. It's because of the Shawshank Redemption. It's the the Brooks scene oh, in, yeah. li- in the library where he's like, "I've been here since ought five. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, let's do oughts." Yeah. I think but, there's
2: even a Simpsons episode where Grandpa says something about ought. oh yeah yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but uh yeah we're gonna do either the aught zeros or two thousands or you know whatever you want to call those uh this is the decade for me where things i can't really pick out the i don't know what happened in this decade that made me think that there's not really anything that defines it Mm -hmm. there's not any style that i can really point out now maybe you guys can help me i
2: Mm. actually had the same feeling for about a day and a half thinking about this podcast. And then today, I must have slept on the right side of the bed or something. I don't know. But I woke up with a few ideas Mm -hmm. of things that might define the decade. But to answer what you're talking about, which I think is true, is I think we're going to have to talk about 9-11 anyway at some point. But I think what happened is after 9-11, studios and even some filmmakers weren't really sure which direction to go. Mm -hmm. And so we got a lot of, you know, shotgun approach. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the decade doesn't necessarily have a defining style or tone mm-hmm. of film because, you know, I think we, we just said, well, let's try a little bit of everything and see where America's at.
1: Yeah, there's not you know. I uh, you look at I mean you you think about 60s. You th- there's some there's images that pop in your head. You think about the 70s. There's images that pop in your head. 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. See, it's boobs for all four of those decades for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boobs. Yeah, just absolutely. <laughs> just uh, but uh, well, 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 <laughs> for the zeros, which are actually two boobs. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching way too much Friends.
2: Like, oh, uh, way too. That was a little too much Joey right there. <laughs> <clears throat>
1: But for that one, I mean, I can tell when a movie is made from that decade because there's some some certain things that just that come that sort of stand out mm-hmm. whenever a movie from the 2000s comes out or that I, I see or I see on TV or whatever. But not too much. It's not like anything. I mean, you, there's some things now. Like if you look at TV. Uh, you know that it's kind of like an old 2000s thing because yeah. they'll show the old stuff from like i guess it's pre-2006 2007 somewhere before hd was a thing yeah. so you start seeing those like uh you know the box yep. and the two black bars on the left and right of your screen it's like okay I know this is the 2000s, and now that dates it in the first half of the decade.
0: Yeah, I mean, because in the 90s discussion, I mentioned that there was a big difference between the beginning of the decade and the end of the decade as far as the look of the film. Mm -hmm. This is even more pronounced. Yeah. Because, I mean, you take a a movie from 2001 and put that up against something like The Social Network or something like that at the end of the decade, and it's... Uh, it's a huge leap, but I guess it's probably digital film, things like that, mm-hmm. or it's, digital instead of film. It's
2: not only the technology they use to make the stuff, but it's the technology used in the films, and it's, it falls right along the same yeah. fault lines, right? Because until what the I, I think the first iPhone was two thousand seven, um, mm, yeah. and prior to that, it was basically some kind of flip phone or what happened, like a you. neophone? phone. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. And so that happened about two thirds of the way, you know, three quarters of the way through that decade. Or like uh, the internet stuff is always what gets me Mm -hmm. Um, because you can tell by the types of websites that are being shown when somebody like uh, the girl in Twilight in that first movie (laughs) goes looking up the ancient whatever, it looks pretty silly Mm -hmm. compared to what we would see today or what we would even see seven years ago. Uh, So I just think it's interesting that technology-wise, both on the creative side, how you made it, What what film stock you used or digital or HD is a thing or what Blu-ray comes along or what have you. But also on screen, what the characters are using and doing, Uh, you can you can tell first half, second half pretty easy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean,
0: I think what Chris, you were getting to is there's two things. One is that we're not far enough, maybe away from that decade to necessarily say. This is definitely associated with that. Obviously 9/11 was like the bellwether event. I don't know. Right?
1: I think we are. Part you think of we the are? Way. We're in, we're 7 years into the new decade. Mm-hmm. Uh by 2007, don't you think you realized what the 90s were? Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I, I feel That's like I, I feel like I did.
2: I still feel like I need more time. I think I I mean, I was thinking about that on the way driving down here that it's we're, we're maybe so close to this it might be difficult mm-hmm. compared to the previous decades we've defined
0: well there's that and then it's also difficult because i and i think correct me if i'm wrong this is where like distribution really got crazy as far as content right like Mm -hmm. there was just a a massive of of movies being being shoved out
1: they started building more and more 16 to 20 uh auditorium Mm. theaters this was a sort of a race between all the big ones amc regal and all them to build all these huge 20 plus megaplexes i think they've calmed that down yeah it looks like because it. you know you they, i think they realize that you know we build these big huge palaces for what to have more of the same of everything else that everybody else has mm-hmm. yeah uh what's the point in that and uh and so yeah you had that incredible like explosion of those type of theaters and then you started seeing yes like 4 and 5000 screen movies happening mm. and everything um i and i don't think there's much difference now i mean there's still a lot of theaters out there that are i mean it's still coming out with multi-screen huge huge event movies but this was sort of the start of it where you really started seeing that everywhere because mm-hmm. um, the 90s I, I, you'd see multi-screen stuff but yeah not nearly to this to the point that it got and with the uh addition of digital which i consider more a this decade uh type of thing yeah, with the with the you know addition of digital and everything, then they didn't even have to worry about prints. Right, they send the one thing, and then you can put it to whatever projector you want to, and as long as your home office or whatever agrees with whatever you're doing, you can you can play it on so many screens. If you actually
2: spend a couple seconds thinking about how much money they probably saved on trucks.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah right oh my Final blow no kidding nope. i mean
2: every single theater had to get some kind of delivery and it would be just trucks of of films oh yeah oh yeah, you know, oh, that, yeah. that
1: was uh that was so oh, man that's one of the worst things about hollywood 27 back in the 35 millimeter days mm. is that the you know the truck would come and of course we're the 27 so we get a million. And each yeah. one of these movies has at least two cans. Yeah, mm. So you get 10 movies in a weekend. You get 20 of these freaking cans that you got to bring up this elevator and everything else and then like put them in and it's just it's just nonstop walking up and down the stairs and going up elevators and all those yeah
2: because they would bring them in and set them right down by customer service and then nobody else would give a shit customer service would go hey come get your shit (laughs) so we'd have to pause whatever we're doing building a movie anything that you consider art when you're a projectionist threading a projector just perfectly you got to leave that to just go be you know hard labor for about 30 minutes it sucked
1: Mm, so so so, so and not
2: to mention they're all really heavy and those handles make them really uncomfortable yeah to they
1: use these things that are from 1985 yeah. you know they <laughs> just like they, they haven't improved they didn't improve film can technology over the years it wasn't made for your comfort um <laughs> but uh but yeah they did the they did the the digital thing and they still deliver those although i think there's some theaters now that it, they don't even deliver or they just they Just download now, I think some yeah. of them, they just, and I don't like it. They've almost taken projection completely out of the hands of people who work at the theater. When did you go digital again? Uh, our th- Hollywood 27 was 2011, I believe, went uh-huh. completely digital. We had had some early ones that had been put in early before that, mm-hmm. but the full digital was 2011 because it's that Harry Potter yeah, and Deathly Hallows bullshit, <laughs> and um. And uh, so yeah, it was 2011. Although theaters before us had done it, but it was still sort of a 2010, 2009. And when I was in New York, even like the theaters that got digital were there were a couple of projectors, mm-hmm. and everything else was still 35 millimeter and everything. So I I don't know. I think New York and Los Angeles got in on that just before the decade ended, but it's really a kind of a this decade thing. Mm-hmm. I believe. Um so yeah you mentioned nine eleven that did that did affect a lot of things um it affected the way movies were made um even uh the i mean it, they had shot movies in new york and had to digitally take out the world trade center or felt they had to yeah wh- they felt they had to which was mm. so silly because i mean yeah uh it might be a, a bad reminder, but it's like, who cares at this point? Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh,
2: They did exist. They were there. They did
1: exist. And you can pop in a million movies before 2001 and see them. Or like any el-
0: episode of Friends. Well, right. they took <laughs> them out of Friends for a while. Did they really? It, yeah, yeah, they're
2: back now. But the, for, a, for, a, for a, like five, six years, they took them. Every single one of those ex- establishing shots that had the towers in it, they took out. Really? And, yeah, I didn't uh, realize that.
1: The Sopranos opening thing used to have that shot of the World Trade mm-hmm. Center. They took that out. Uh, Post nine eleven, they took that out, um,
0: and then the Spider Man trailer. Spider Man right, trailer was one? the
1: most famous of that whole thing because the, the web it, was right between the they, two. Yeah, right? he he sh- yeah, he, it was he was in between the two towers. That was the teaser for Spider Man in two thousand one, and then afterwards they had to pull all those and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, so yeah, there was a lot of that going on. And then uh, I don't think we got reflective about nine eleven in movies until five years later. That's when we started seeing a lot of stuff. We saw two 9-11 themed movies coming out united 93 and world trade center uh then we started seeing a lot of the you know uh the the situation in iraq and afghanistan is fucked up type of movies and all the right. stuff that all the sort of the freedoms were letting go and all that so you had movies like rendition and you had the kingdom and you had there's a lot of these movies that came out they're showing, you know we're in a bad situation right now and everything. And those movies didn't do well because yeah. nobody wanted to be reminded of how bad of a situation yeah, right. we're in. Exactly. That's why I think the rise of Judd Apatow happens in this decade. That's
2: one of the things I thought like if, when, cause eventually we're going to get down to like who owned the decade. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys I thought was Apatow because mm-hmm. he just kind of like everything really clicked for him this yeah. decade.
1: Yeah. After so many different, what you would call failures, I guess. I mean, freaks and geeks still is a cult is a cult thing i don't think i don't think it's ever become Mm -mm. huge i mean of course 18 episodes not a not a way to get huge but uh a lot uh, he that was like the biggest story about apatow for so long is that he couldn't get anything to to just take right and he did undeclared i remember early but it was so funny i loved undeclared yeah and it just didn't didn't take. And then finally he does the forty year old version and that's what finally made him a name among everybody.
2: That movie made a lot of names.
1: Yes, it did. And uh and so after that, I mean it was just Everything, everything seemed like everything had Apatow's name on it. If it was a comedy, yeah, you could almost tell immediately just by seeing if it's Jason Segel in it, yeah, is, yeah, the cast, is Seth Rogen in <laughs> yeah. it, is James Franco in it, Paul uh, Rudd anywhere around, yeah, Paul Rudd somewhere in there. Uh, he really had a, he really had his first. Uh, I mean, I guess he had done some no even as a movie producer he had had movies that didn't do like the cable guy was a, that's where he oh that's right yeah eventually meets his future wife leslie mann mm. uh the that that didn't do anything so he had that long time but the anchor man was his first i think real big hit of the 2000s as far as a producer is concerned yeah and uh and so i think he just launched from there you just he
0: had everything. his hands in everything yeah because that's the whole adam mckay will ferrell camp yeah which is tangentially associated with him and he's he's just got this umbrella mm-hmm. of everything his director credits so it was 40-year-old virgin that mm-hmm. it was knocked up yep. and then what came it that was funny up? people
1: that was, his uh, next, that was his next that was his next directing, directing. Oh, okay uh, which you know funny people not a good movie. but then but, he had pineapple express as a but he's a producer yeah, yeah uh you know he had the year okay so he had knocked up in 2007 super bad came out later that summer right yeah uh the following year he had forgetting sarah marshall he had pineapple express uh one other movie too i think it was a 2008 was a big big year for Mm him yeah i mean it, it seemed like everything that was worth watching comedy wise was being done through him and everything it infected so many things that there were movies that came out with those actors that weren't even judd apatow movies yeah you started thinking they were just by sort of an association like zach and mary do a porno yeah that's a kevin smith movie has nothing to do with judd apatow but it had seth rogan and elizabeth banks and craig robinson yep. and all these people and uh and uh and then uh, there was role models which had paul rudd in it and yeah. it seemed, and, <laughs> you know in uh the uh and then you had uh, i love you man which is jason siegel right. and paul rudd those seemed like Jod apatow movies and they weren't um
0: 2008 was also uh Step Brothers. He was a Yeah, producer, Step Brothers uh, was the other one. And then he did Walk Hard as a producer yeah, uh, the Wal- year before. Uh, yeah, I just saw last night. That's an underrated Paul Rudd performance as John Lennon by the
1: way. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. He's so over the top. <laughs> Everybody so is. Everybody playing the I love that. I love that scene cuz everybody's like, you know, like, what do you think about it? The Beatles, Paul McCartney.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, the quiet one, George yeah. I'm just trying to write songs on my guitar. <laughs> from the beatles
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's that's sort of what i when i think about the 2000s i think about him the most often I, and and probably tipping my hand on the fact that i believe he owned that decade
2: mm-hmm. i got a couple more arguments to make before we ch- we draw those conclusions it's mm-hmm. also
1: the decade of when comic book movies started being taken seriously yeah although It weirdly went the other way. It went more towards the fun because Marvel decided to, you know, horn in on what was going on here.
2: Um, Well, at least until 2005 when Batman Begins, or 6.
1: No, I'm talking about after that. Oh. Uh, Yeah, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I think those were the standards. And Spider-Man, even though Spider-Man is a fun movie, I don't consider it that, that, I don't know, I don't consider it as as lighthearted as all the other marvel stuff that would come after. Right. I don't know. Maybe maybe it does fit into that sort of like super lighthearted. Thing. I think it's because they got a director on Spider-Man with Sam Raimi that, you know, said we're taking this seriously. That's why I lump Spider-Man in with Dark Knight and all them.
2: Spider-Man 2 even more so. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
1: And uh and so then The Dark Knight comes out and it, you know, it makes 500 million dollars or whatever. I was like, this is the one that we're going to we're going to start seeing this type of movie all the time. And then Marvel that same year had Iron Man and Iron Man sort of just sort of with all that plan that they had. And DC obviously didn't have a plan. They had, right. had no one, and they Nolan. had Batman. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And that was it. And think about they weren't thinking about Justice League at this point. It's. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's debatable if they were thinking about Justice League when they made it. But the the uh, uh, I thought that was going to be the one. But Iron Man, with their plan to do this Avengers movie and everything like that, you could start seeing the sort of the you know everything tipping towards Marvel at that point. Even though Dark Knight was the one that was the true class of that summer and everything. Mm-hmm um it, it's the sort of the beginning of what's probably going to define this decade mm-hmm. uh whenever we get to that i don't know if we're going to try to define it while we're in it but yeah <laughs> i don't know but, but it, it is one of those type of things i think the the influence of what happens in this decade that decade has shot oh, it's everything to do yeah with it.
0: because every every huge property is either star wars or
2: or comic book movie. Just wait until Disney buys 20th Century Fox's entertainment division and they have everything. You know what's going to make it even better is when they take everyone from Infinity War, all 42 heroes, (laughs) and they add all the X-Men, all the Fantastic Four, yep. all in the same movie. It's going to be fantastic. I can't tell you how little I'm looking forward to that. I keep seeing on Twitter people saying, like, well, Disney's done a good job so far making good Marvel movies and good Star Wars movies. And I'm like, that's not necessarily the point. Yeah, yeah. My point here with Infinity War and this proposed what what'll happen for sure is that there's already too many characters, mm-hmm. and we also start to lose a creative edge once we bleed it all together under one roof. Even if no matter how hard you try or what director you hire, Marvel has already proven that everything from posters to trailers to score, there's a certain approved MCU look, feel, yep. sound and I don't want to see all the characters rolled into that same creative style. But I don't want Comcast to swoop in and buy Fox either. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't know that they care that much about quality. Well, so what,
0: what you're going to get is because the DCEU has shown that, you know, of course it's going to keep rolling it out, but it's it's taken so many series of hits yeah. that it's inexorably going to alter the direction that they're going to take, you know, with Snyder kind of fading in the background and right. stuff like that. With, with Disney slash Marvel they're the titanic they're bigger than the titanic so they can weather if something doesn't make any money or got terrible
2: reviews or something like that
0: then they can weather that storm and be fine and just roll out their next you know black
1: panther or something like that well
2: yeah yeah i mean anyway i don't know why i've diverted us so hard on that
1: (laughs) i did see chris evans tweeted something about like maybe he'd finally have a captain america versus human torch or some sort of thing oh yeah (laughs) not that
2: hey not that he should be following me but i tweeted 12 hours before that like i know you want to have your johnny storm team up with steve rogers but <laughs> this is a bad thing if they buy- of course, chris evans swoops in and steals my joke and gets
1: all my press yes <laughs> <laughs> this town needs an enema <laughs> um yeah so I, the comic book movies uh, are are doing you know are laying the groundwork for what we see in this decade and everything we're also starting to see, this is, every time I think of this decade, I think of, this is where, this is where, like, everything seems to go to shit with action movies for me. Interesting. Except for comic book movies. Comic book movies have their own, I mean, even comic book movies have bad action scenes. But, mm-hmm. um, but it, this is the decade of Transformers and like yeah. you know, Transformers is two thousand seven, it comes out. One of the Fast and Furious Fast movies Fast and the Furious movies. Um and i mean it i mean it just i don't know it seems like every big movie that seemed to come out was just like just loud and michael bay inspired type of stuff the
2: the lone you know outlier there or i guess exception to the rule would be maybe the Bourne series yeah Mm -hmm. and i think that series actually had a lot of influence on at least a certain type of action film everything from taken to the way bond shifted to be much more like Bourne and much less like a classic, you know, Sean Connery Bond and remove a lot of the camp. Uh, and
0: Do you think th- that's a bad thing ultimately because of the way that it was uh, Greengrass that, that did it?
1: Yeah, uh, Doug rep- Liman on the first one and then Grass after that.
0: But then they they both kind of had that shaky cam. It's, I guess it's not hyper-edited, but it's definitely edited roughly intentionally
1: it's made to be like avant-garde type of thing or like you're there you are there in that fight it works in some instances
0: it works there and that but it's the co-opting of of people taken to and stuff like that it
1: can be dickish in other parts of those movies but where i think it really works is when he jumps from the one building into the other building and starts fighting that dude in the bathroom god
2: that's one. it's dash it's one of my favorite fights yeah. oh my god it's
1: it that's where that type of style works so well because it's so immediate and so because because it starts you know it's a sort of a fantastical type of shot he's jumping from this one building to another but as soon as he gets in there it's like yeah. you know they're all they're throwing fists at each other yeah. and everything and it's just a it's just a really well-made action scene. A lot of times, though, you sit there and go, okay, we're, he's sitting there sipping a Coke. Why is everything shaking? You
2: <laughs> <know>? <laughs> By the way, I saw a GIF, I think, on Reddit a week or two ago of that of that scene mm-hmm. but that showed the cameraman that trailed behind matt, uh, matt damon oh yeah so matt, or matt damon or stump guy whoever it was runs and jumps and it's a set there's like pads down below or whatever runs and jumps and the cameraman follow him runs oh, and jumps my holy god. shit i've yeah. got to see that yeah i'll find it and set it to you oh
1: my god um but yeah you're right born born really was a huge influence and it's kind of a miracle that it was because born identity it did decent yeah. in the box office it wasn't it, i wouldn't consider it a failure or anything it was definitely a medium-sized hit but it was one of the last movies i remember people saying that the video like rentals meant something on something mm-hmm. that developed an audience uh and born identity once it became a video hit that's where they started saying all right let's make born supremacy and everything um because born identity i don't think they were going to make a sequel to that the based on the money that they not made on the, the first not on the
2: box office of the just initial run It
1: was the very first time i i mean it's the maybe the last time i heard of a movie being a video hit and then they made a sequel later i mean i guess now that you have a different you have different forms of that it's not sure. the same thing though because you're not going to blockbuster right you know you're not going to that anymore um But it did have a lot of influence. You're right. The James Bond movies, uh, especially, and the James Bond movies are always prone to be uh, influenced by whatever's popular at the time. So it made sense that they became like born as well. And uh, what was the other one that you mentioned? Uh, There was another Taken. Taken. It's Mm -hmm. another another great example of that. Um, Yeah. What else? What else?
2: I got one. Mm -hmm. I think it could be Pixar's decade. Mm. Because if I'm if I'm wrong, let me know. But I'm pretty sure this is the, the the decade of that run of Finding it Nemo, is. The Incredibles, Wally, Wally e Ratatouille. Ratatouille, up.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. Especially the middle part of the decade. Yeah. The and, middle of the part of the decade is where The Incredibles came out. That's where it started that just amazing
2: run. And I think that, yeah, because Finding Nemo was 2003. Except right? for Cars. Except yeah. for, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But even Cars, even though it, it takes a lot of shit, um, I, I think it's a little bit like a Nickelback situation where... <laughs> It can't possibly it can't possibly be as bad as everybody says it is, and I'm, I'm I'm still charmed by that movie. But anyway, the run of that big run of five, this was the decade when everyone started thinking they can't miss, right? Like they're never going to do anything worse than an A movie. They have since then. But this was where that idea solidified. I think we, after Toy Story and Monsters Inc. and Bug's Life, we were like, okay, well, we really like these movies. Let's see where they go. And then I think even in this decade, we had one of, like Toy Story three was in this decade at least. Yeah, two
1: thousand ten. Yeah, and Monsters Inc. was in this decade as well. Monsters Inc. started the decade, okay. um, and then you had Finding Nemo, and then it was uh, Incredibles, Cars, uh, Wally hmm. Up, no Ratatouille, Wally yeah. Up. That yeah yeah that run right there is insane how good it was and that's like I said why I thought Pixar was going to make you know more adult type features like like I wouldn't have been surprised if they had stayed the direction they were and they didn't get bought out by Disney completely and everything that they would have had two wings of their yep. animation they would have made the ones that we all know and love and they would have made some other ones that would have been a little bit harder edge yeah. They wouldn't have been R-rated, but Not they might have had PG-13 or something in there. Sure. Uh, I thought for sure that's what it was going to happen. Of course, you know, once Disney buys something, nothing is R-rated anymore. That's basically true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um,
2: anyway, I just thought, I thought Pixar had a really good chance. I definitely thought of Judd Apatow. Um, and then I also thought of your boy, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas Anderson.
0: Yeah, the thing with Paul Thomas Anderson is that he only had two movies that came out in this decade.
1: Yeah, it's insane.
0: Uh, they were amazing. It was Punch Drunk Love and There Will Be Blood. Yeah. But because I thought the same thing. I was like, man, you know, this is because they had Boogie Nights and then... Um, he had something after that, Magnolia. Right? Magnolia, Magnolia, right, in 99, right? 99. Uh, so then he does Punch Drunk Love, which was way underseen at the
2: time. Man, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's crazy. And <laughs> he, he did, did a lot of Fiona Apple He didn't make too. anything between 2007 and 2010?
0: There were video, music videos and, like, shorts and stuff like that. What the fuck was he doing? Yeah. And then uh, 2000, in uh, 2000 Twelve was the master.
1: Yeah, he started. I mean, he's he started to pick it up comparatively to what he used to do. Mm -hmm. He used to be almost Kubrickian in the fact that he would make movies like every five or six years or whatever. Uh, But now it seems like he's come out with one eh, pretty much every like couple of years or so. He's come out. Oh, take it back then. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, well,
0: because that's immediately what I thought too. Because there will be blood is such a standout, and it was so hyped and it was it was maybe the movie of the decade i mean we we oh man there's a lot of contenders for movie of the decade mm-hmm. in this as we we went through went in through the bracket it. yeah I mean, um, there's a ton of these that that made the final cut outside like the wild card or at large picks or something like that 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 didn't win the best of the year mm-hmm. um but that just snuck their way into it i mean and then you've got the prestige films of like you know children of men and city of god
2: and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind even mm-hmm. amelie yeah mm-hmm. like uh prestige and the prestige too well and, i'm thinking nolan might have a shot now because we already talked about nolan's decade it's
1: pretty crazy you have memento yep. who kicks it off yep there's a lot of people who love insomnia i need I to do. i need to see it again i like mm-hmm. it um and then uh then he has these batman movies and then he has the prestige yep uh, and, Inception. and Inception hits two thousand ten. Right. So it's uh I mean, as director, I don't know if there's very many there he became a true star director. Absolutely. The in, in, like the trailer for Inception was like it was Nolan and DiCaprio. Basically right. that's all you need to know about this. Yeah. Nobody nobody really would have watched that movie if it, it wasn't for those two two people. Right. Yeah. I, look, can you imagine if that was like Vince Vaughn yeah. and like <laughs> and brett Ratner, and brett ratner and it's the same trailer it's the same trailer it, it, nobody would have watched that and then i uh, no, no offense to vince vaughn obviously lots of offense to brett
0: ratner um no he he influenced everything man because memento kicked off this whole You know, you can you can tell movies differently and people were taking chances. Things like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Mm -hmm. um, things like uh, Charlie Kaufman-esque type of stuff happening. And then, you know, obviously he was part of the the reason that comic book movies are taken seriously with the the first two Batmans Mm -hmm. that he did. And then Inception changed, like, so much about, like, how movies are shot, what you can do from perspective, and the universe is folding in on each other and everything. So, I mean, he had a huge influence in this decade alone, and then it's just kind of continued. I mean, he had the, what we we don't like is uh, the the third Batman movie. And Dark then Knight Rises? Dark Knight Rises. I like it more than you do. And Interstellar, which was, was great, but kind Ooh, of... That's, dark, that's not just,
1: this decade, though, I mean, this is a, you know, I mean... No, what I'm
0: saying is that he, he really was meteoric in mm-hmm. the 2000s. Yeah. And he's, you could say, maybe plateaued off a
2: little bit. Uh, besides maybe I think Dunkirk, Dunkirk is h- him at his best. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I and, think... And Interstellar is, I think, is up there, too, even though it's, I don't know, it's, I guess it's a little unfairly uh shit on sometimes by by just for stupid things i think sometimes yeah mcconaughey crying that i love that scene Mm -hmm. i don't know why that became (laughs) like the 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 mega meme that it did Um, (laughs) mega meme yeah but uh so yeah and you know the going back to the franchise stuff here like i guess lord of the rings kind of sort of started us off here in this decade you have uh and you know it's funny 9 11 also started to uh creep into how people perceived those movies mm-hmm. i mean you even have one called the two towers yep. mm. and then you have you know you have people who are saying this is taking a conservative look at you know that's the crazy thing people started this is a conservative look about war yeah. like how how it's meaningful to you know to go out and fight your enemies you know and blah 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 and and it's like no it's, <laughs> it's just what you're reading into it it's the political times yes and everything but uh it sort of started that i i think it started it because you also had stuff like kill bill being split into two parts mm-hmm. and there was even a th- thought that uh, alfonso Coron was going to do harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban that way mm-hmm. which is another by the way franchise that was all through this decade right uh and i i think p i think studio started looking at how can we you know we weren't into the universe stage yet we weren't into that whole let's make not only the main story but let's make a lot of side stories as well sure. it's not we weren't at that stage yet i think they were still trying to figure out how do we do a main story and extend that over a number of, of movies and everything because that's why we get the hobbit right. three movies later and uh you know stuff like that but
2: well you want to talk about influence lord of the rings if, if there's no lord of the rings movies from peter jackson we don't have game of thrones mm-hmm. yeah that show never gets greenlit the totally. books are still out there and he probably finished them by now yeah but we we would never get that series if it had not been. Now there was a lot of bad fantasy that came out, but there's a oh lot my of God. there's a <laughs> lot of shows on TV that I don't watch that have big followings that are that are that basically owe themselves to these movies and they owe themselves to Game of Thrones, which owes itself to these movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the the Vikings one, I Ooh. haven't seen, and Outlander, and a bunch of shows that are apparently good that I I think wouldn't exist if these three movies hadn't hadn't done what they did. They were so good they please such a wide audience new fans you had this you know five decades deep pocket of built-in fans who love Tolkien mm-hmm. and there were way the hell more of them than anybody ever thought there were and then he made you know he just he made it with respect and made great films and, and everybody gave a great performance
1: something that i think the studio sort of forgot when they when they saw the success of Lord of the Rings and i think that mm-hmm. I think that Harry Potter is sort of a, a different kind of phenomenon um It didn't have nearly the same kind of like long decades long, you know, fathers exchanging with their children and all this other type of stuff that didn't have that type of thing. But it was enough. that I think Harry Potter was enough of a phenomenon that they were able to do it. But then they started making anything that was a bestseller. Yeah. And a bestseller doesn't mean anything guys i just hate to tell you (laughs) i hate to break that news to you uh bestseller doesn't mean anything it just means that you know oh it's it sold some books essentially yeah and the harry potter thing
0: yeah the harry potter thing being such a recent phenomenon i think worked in its favor because it was in that sweet spot it wasn't like you know, a year ago, I heard about the Hunger Games or something like that. Mm. Not that that did, did poorly or anything like that. But, you know, it, it had a gap to where people were excited about it. They've gotten older. This is nostalgia. This is new fans. It was Chris Columbus coming in and doing the thing. It was John Williams. like really creative, great people doing this. And, uh, you know, I think everybody was just kind of swept up in the, the majesty of it. Plus, it's an awesome story, too. Mm-hmm. Now, the first chapter of the first Harry Potter book Is one of the best first chapters I've ever read, and that's weird to say, Hmm. but it was totally engaging. It was total; would suck you into this universe immediately, and I was absolutely hooked. Hmm. It was crazy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And And plus, the movies were really, really good.
0: They're good for what they are. The first two obviously were very childlike because they were kids, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then starting at that third one, you start making this pivot, and then you definitely do it at Order of the Phoenix, and that's one of the most enjoyable more than a trilogy franchises that I think I've ever seen on film. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, it's almost impossible to keep up a level of quality over nine, eight films, right? right? It's eight with, with so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for West Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Oh, it's just, I think it's really hard. This is why I think you can look at the fast and furious franchise. And of course it's getting sillier and sillier and sillier. And the joke is they're going to space next. And then of course they will probably, um, (laughs) But, you know, there are movies early on in that franchise that I think you could call good or at least enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. the first one's a decent watch, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a quarter when, mile at the time. Especially when they fight about that tuna sandwich, basically. <laughs> or That's actually the girl. But anyway.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Did, I, did, I think, did you have another thought there? No.
2: I just think, I think Warner Brothers did a really good job um, keeping the consistency there. Just, I guess Marvel is doing it, too. They're... If you consider that shared universe similar enough to Harry Potter's universe, because that like, Marvel doesn't really have a clunker yet. Um, mm-hmm. Thor, too. You
1: know, Thor, the Dark World is a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the first Thor
2: can be enjoyable. You can yeah. make your case. That's maybe the only clunker in the whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just hard. I think it just inevitably one of these Star Wars movies is going to suck. Yeah. And I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to i don't want to be true but hey let's not act like <laughs> three of the first six didn't suck yeah. so yeah exactly um well what was uh senior spielberg go up to this decade well
1: he has minority report mm-hmm. that's probably his best movie of the decade
2: i love that movie
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna say that's probably his best one he has war of the worlds which is eh,
0: i love that movie too it's, it's that's probably incredible. only enjoyable because of Spielberg,
1: yeah. War of the worlds has that one shot I love, where the video camera is on the on the ground and yeah. and it zooms in on the little view. Total Spielberg, uh-huh. man. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got the terminal. Catch me if you can. Catch me if you can. Uh-huh. can. That was the same year. Minority Report and uh, Catch me if you can came out the same year.
0: That's a hell of a year.
1: Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Catch me if you can might be my <laughs> favorite of his. No, Minority. Never... Might... Both of those movies I love so much. Yeah,
2: they're both great.
1: Yeah, Spielberg was 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 doing doing decent work for sure mm. i don't know if i don't know if he did anything that went you know above and beyond or anything yeah i was just you know i'd like to throw his name oh, out Oh, he's he's gonna be i mean as long as he's alive his his influence is going to hit every decade
2: what do you guys think did you have the uh ready player one trailer the full trailer when you went to see whatever it was we reviewed last ragnarok Mm-mm. well it may have been we got in there later
1: no, I, I, i've seen it i don't know if i saw it on ragnarok so how, I,
2: how are you feeling about that
1: i mean it reminds me of AI. It does.
2: I just uh, my, I went with a buddy, and he turned to me and he was like, "What do you think about that?" And I kind of shrugged because the trailer doesn't do anything for me. But Ooh. I was like, "It is Spielberg, though," mm-hmm. and that's probably enough to yeah. get me to watch it.
0: Speaking of AI, so he did AI to start the decade, right? Then he had just another uh, movie
2: I like more than most.
0: Yeah, I need to watch that again because I I don't think I gave it a fair shake when I first it saw is, it.
2: It ends up feeling it it doesn't it doesn't mesh perfectly, but it does end up feeling like Spielberg directing something that Kubrick you know plan
0: and i should be totally on board with that <laughs> you would think <laughs> i just i just i just wasn't like it was too it's cartoony still not to
1: not the way kubrick would have done it though no you know, it, it feels like a kubrick story and those two directors are so different it's it just doesn't make sense but it's-
2: jude law is so fucking good it's worth mm. it's worth the whole movie we watch i think he's so awesome i gotta watch that again
0: and then so you mentioned minority report and catch me if you can then the terminal which i actually like more than most war of the worlds then he did munich yeah, uh, Munich, which, which is also
1: yeah. which is all is the same year as War of the Worlds he, he did this oh, yeah, weird yeah. thing with like two in a year somehow some way yeah. he'd do that Munich is a better movie than it gets oh better. no it's I awesome agree. yeah I agree
0: Yeah. <laughs> what is it what is it the line from 40 year old Virgin? Uh, knocked up well like,
1: he's
2: somebody brings up Munich and then Seth Rogen's like Munich and then somebody <laughs> I don't know who says it but somebody's like finally a movie where we get to do the killing it's, yeah. Seth, <laughs> it's Seth Rogen who says it he's like
1: he's like he's like uh it's like every, every other movie, the Jews are the victims, but in this one, we're capping motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. And then he
0: ended this, his run in the decade by doing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Lord Moses. Which was the other thing that I wanted to, to bring up. We started seeing this, like, somebody was talking to me recently about how. Harrison Ford seems to be doing that thing that athletes do when they're in their final year and yep. they go into the stadium and they get the gift and and all that type <laughs> of thing. He's doing that sort of that that like end of the career type of uh yeah. you know the retirement farewell, tour. The retirement yeah, yeah. tour, the farewell tour or whatever. Because he does this, and of course, he ends up in Force Awakens later, and then he ends up in, uh, you know, Blade Runner and yeah. all this other
0: stuff. He's gonna do the long-awaited sequel to Six Days, Seven Nights. Ah. Yes,
1: of course. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure that movie got made just because he wanted to like show off his pilot. Skills. How about
1: Hollywood Homicide?
2: Mm -hmm. i actually read that he's making a movie called the fugitive again Mm -hmm. where he actually gets wrongly imprisoned or you know arrested no
1: this time he really did do it (laughs) yes and they're like well last time it went through we went through a lot of shit on this guy we sure we sure and tommy lee jones like i know this guy did it i know he did it you know what i would kind of like be into that yeah i know
2: what have we done <laughs> i know what have we done i'm sure tommy would be down
1: but we start seeing <laughs> so, yeah. we start seeing that sort of that nostalgia thing start to creep in mm-hmm. again where where let's let's revive a lot of these well, even the
2: transformers qualifies under that yeah yeah and uh you're right uh, crystal skull coming back and that just just doubles down and exponentially increases as you move forward from 2010 I, by the way
1: if there's anything that proves that name recognition means the most for just about anything king of the crystal skull made 400 million dollars yeah no here here in the u.s
2: well and and it was just it's not like it didn't get bad reviews yeah before most of those people went to see it right they just went because it was indiana jones
1: i'm i'm trying to think if it really did get that kind of bad reviews though i I, i've got it hold on hold on before you you are you looking up i'm just saying that i've got it loaded up yeah you got it on rotten Mm Tomatoes. i think that i think it was higher than we think Right. I think well, there were people who loved it and it and it got a pass. Let's see, where do you think it is? I think it was in the
2: 70%. So like a 7 out of 10? Yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes? I think so. I think it's probably more like a 5.
1: 5? I
2: What did
0: we give it in this room? I mean, I would a I would three? say like, I would say like a 3 out of 10. Like yeah. it's a really shitty movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 77 yeah. percent you were tomatoes. on it buddy mm-hmm. nice call yeah I and 6.2 and imdb
1: yeah uh it's uh it's just one of those it's one of those movies that i remember talking to people about and they said eh, i liked it or you know really? they just kind of the kind of people kind of gave it a pass <laughs> yeah and uh and uh, i don't understand i think the, the 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 mega hatred for that movie really occurred later and i don't know when that really started to seep in it may have been months later where people got the hangover and they were just kind of like
2: uh, mm. it could be when it came out on home video because there's some really shitty cgi oh. in the latter half of that mm-hmm. movie
1: well then you know you had the people breaking apart the getting in the fridge to to you know <laughs> protect yourself from atomic blast yeah. and and all that totally works but but yeah that i'll get on that island with the monkeys or whatever it uh, is fucking and, monkeys and uh and uh, there's just all these little cute pic- cute shots of like whatever groundhogs gerbils yeah. what the fuck they are yeah. it's um, like he had too much
2: sugar with his coffee yeah man. every day they filmed it man. just seeped into the script
1: and then of course then of course they decided because i'm pretty sure this was lucas's big contribution they had to have put aliens in it somehow great and uh and i remember that movie i mean i think they had darabont go and make us write a script that everybody loved everybody yeah. loved the darabont script and uh they couldn't get it made because lucas wanted to put fucking aliens in it you know you think uh, it was
0: spielberg that wanted to put the aliens in it because he's got a great track record with
2: aliens yeah. i feel I, he may be an asshole in real life i don't really know but i feel bad for frank darabont yeah <laughs> Because when you let him be Frank Darabont, he makes shit like The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. He makes most of the best Stephen King adaptations in general. Um, but it seems like he keeps getting meddled with, yeah. like with The Walking Dead, and like, what? Oh, everybody loves your Indiana Jones scripts, so we're, gonna, we're not going to do it. Yeah, we're going to put it over here, and we're going to do them with aliens because yeah. mm-hmm. George is being George. Yeah, maybe we'll even put an Ewok in there somewhere. Yeah, right. Anyway, um,
0: can I bring up uh, our our buddies? Bring them up. So this is, I think, the Coen Brothers' best decade. Okay. So you start off with one of my favorite movies of this decade, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? In two thousand, okay. pretty good. Yep. Um, pretty good. Then you've got The Man Who Wasn't There, which is a very, very niche, underrated uh, thing, but I love it. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. Uh, we'll skip over Intolerable Cruelty, uh, Please and do. then The Lady Killers, which you like. Came out the same year. Yeah. And then they had No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Then they had Burn After Reading. Mm-hmm. Like it. Then they had A Serious Man. Yep. Like it. And Two Thousand Ten was True Grit.
2: So yeah. they had it. They had like an it. amazing year. I feel that like True Grit decade. gets a raw deal. Yeah. And I don't know why, because I went and saw of course I've never seen the original. This is probably why, by the way. Um, and maybe it's not as good. Maybe they changed the character just enough that people who love the original and I know I've heard the original is great in in, in its own right. But Haley Steinfeld comes out of nowhere and gives a. She goes toe to toe with Jeff Bridges. Yep. Uh, Jeff Bridges is great. Matt Damon almost steals the movie. I'm trying to figure out what people didn't dig about that. I
0: have seen both of those movies and I loved the original. The remake in my mind is better.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just really dig. I've seen it twice. I really dig it both times. Yeah. I don't know what people. I feel like when it came out. Have, may have, have to do another rotten tomatoes contest or something um i feel like when it came out it didn't get great reviews no
1: it did it, i think it did um, it was no,
2: best picture nominee yeah, right? it was
1: the best picture nominee and everything okay and it, and, and it may have not have been like you know i mean it, it's possible it was in the 80 percent somewhere around there mm. i just um, maybe
2: it was just seen as kind of a letdown from <laughs> no country what is it 95%. Yes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm going to stop guessing things <laughs> like forever. Um, no, I, I did not think it'd be not. that. No,
1: I no, I remember it being well reviewed. It's just that I didn't know it was that well reviewed. <laughs> um, but no, True Grit has one of those scenes in it that I'm I'm I, I always like I wish people would just study it and be like this is how you make an action scene with suspense and everything even though this isn't like an action quote-unquote scene but the scene where he's up on the top of the cliff yeah and he's gonna kill that guy and it's just like you just it's just one sort of just one shot yeah and you just see the distance between him and the the subject him and the subject and and that's how they shot it and everything um god yeah that movie i need to see that again actually you oh know? that's badass i haven't, badass. Seen, I haven't the first, seen it in forever
0: the first scene between Haley steinfeld and jeff bridges where she gets him up and she's like you know i want to go pursue this man yeah. that kind of thing mm-hmm. and uh, yeah he's all drunk and belligerent and everything yeah. and you know, like you said man she's right up there with him and at yeah. the time she was
1: 14 something yeah she like was that, a lot younger than, younger that.
0: than
2: she is now well, that was a stupid thing to
1: say. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think she was 12, <laughs> 11 or 12. She was yeah, she was that, young. Yeah.
2: But she was awesome, man. Imagine having the balls to do that. I don't care if I thought I was the best actor in the world, if I was 12 and I'm going up against this guy, I would be <laughs> petrified. <laughs> yeah. Now maybe in real life they did 20 takes to get her there, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean the whole movie she's like that. She doesn't back down at all. She yeah. just owns it.
1: Yeah. yeah it's a definitely one. a great decade for the Coens.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah, I can't argue with that. Yeah. Um But
2: not for Leonard Cohen.
1: No, not for Leonard Cohen. Twice, well, I I st- well uh-huh. I'm just i'm gonna shut up for a while. i don't think my what's think funny meter
2: good. is off
0: <laughs> i mean we touched on it a little bit but i think like the rise of the r-rated comedy or the yeah. it, it came back in this decade it started with old school i would I say guess. old
1: school was really the the start although uh, todd phillips even even before then road trip sort of i mean road trip wasn't as big as old school mm-hmm but even Road Trip sort of did that. I w- I've, I've tried to trace this back, because I like to give Kevin Smith a lot of credit for this. Even though he wasn't making like those straight-up comedies, they were very much indie comedies that he was making in the 90s and everything. But uh, he, I think he was the one who really started to set that, that R-rated comedy back, because it was a lot of the the, the dialogue and stuff yeah. was was like, oh, you can say that? In the movie? Oh. Mm. Then, so, you had Road Trip and you had Old School. Don't you
2: give a little bit to the Fairleys, too, there? at least the, the Fairleys, yeah, there's another one. Like there's something about Mary always feels to me like the tipping point. Like, when raunchy R-rated comedies can make so much money, let's do it. Which I think leads to Road Trip and Old School hangover movies, which led to the Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> Somewhere in there we get t- No, no, diaries. you're
1: absolutely right. The Fairley brothers, all through the 90s there, were sort of bringing that back as well. You just didn't see very many pe- – until that. there's something about Mary, you didn't really see a lot like just going for it yep. and everything. And finally, yeah, I think it, after a while then, you had the Apatow stuff coming in. And Apatow even, I mean, you you look at some of these mo- movies, you're like, wow, some just really raunchy things that they're oh, saying. Oh, God,
2: yeah. And bo- yeah, and yeah. Both in 40-Year-Old Virgin and in Knocked Up, yeah, especially Knocked Up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you
1: can do that. There's an
0: audience for it. You can make a ton of money. It's like the sanitization of a PG thirteen movie that's that's trying to be an R movie is completely unnecessary these days. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, an example was Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. Happy Death Day was perfectly fine. It was a fun movie and everything, but there was no reason for that movie to be PG thirteen. No, um, you're not. I I can't see it increasing its audience to a percentage to where you're going to lose a lot of money for yeah. the quality. So I just I, I don't get it at this point. And it, we did see the all kind of sanitization, uh, you know, in the '90s of comedies in particular. Um, but then getting back into this, you know, we can say what we want to. We can talk how people talk and that kind of thing. And you're gonna be fine. you gonna, if, yeah. As long as it's
1: good. As well, long as it's fun, and, as long as it's not funny, people. I mean, <laughs> Deadpool proved that more than anything. Yeah. I believe that you know. And then now they've, of course, they've gone to this whole thing, this overcorrection thing, where they're like okay well, we'll start making everything r-rated now and you know instead of looking at what made deadpool funny and good and everything it's like it's that raunch it's that r-rated stuff let's do that like let's just do it for the sake of doing it yeah i need more fucks yeah exactly let's make logan and logan turns out to be really good but uh (laughs) the the other ones that come after this i'm pretty sure are gonna be just like can we find a way to to count the fucks that are in this one yeah um yeah. would
0: you would you be on board for an r-rated batman
1: oh fuck
2: yeah right i
1: think a lot of people would that yeah. would
2: be that would be really nice you almost have to do a frank miller story if you did an R r-rated batman yeah because those graphic novels are fucking intense man and they're either awesome or they're off the chain loopy <laughs>
1: like there's
2: no in between with that dude <laughs> that's
1: another thing too is that if they made an r-rated batman don't you think that though yes while you'd have a certain segment of the population that the parents wouldn't allow their kids to watch it i'd say most of parents are probably going to end up letting them watch it Mm -hmm. but just strictly because it's batman and you know who cares if there's like a little extra like violence in it and like yeah i mean fucks uh, the kids these days how many people are how many parents
0: are saying no you can't watch logan because (laughs) professor x cusses a lot or something like that uh i don't think there's that much of a difference between yeah there's Hey, driver, and the like, you know the fucks and everything, but like, there's not an appreciable difference in like how offensive it is versus you know an X Men: Days of Future Past or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, artistically offensive, but you know, yeah, man, I'd be all over
1: it. I, it's sort of zigzagging back into the comedies. I just thought about this too. It's funny that in the age of when that R rated comedy came back, Kevin Smith and the Fairley Brothers started not making as many good movies right? in that decade um you know the it's it's strange the fairly brothers i think they did stuck on you was the was one that came out in this decade and mm-hmm. they did shallow how and they have their merits they're not good movies no. but they have they have their merits shallow how has a good message but it's like an hour and a half to get to that yeah moment. it's kind of got
2: a few bad messages before it gets to anything good anyway
1: right right and uh and and stuck on you i mean that's the both of those movies really have rule real one note premises and they're they're sort of building on that whole, like, uh, let's try to make things... I don't know. They try to do these gross-out gags mm-hmm. and everything, but they don't work as well anymore. I don't... It, it so sort of, they're sort of worn out by this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you probably hit peak... What came first? Was it uh, Kingpin or something about Mary came first? Kingpin, Kingpin I think, was... The peak of the grossed out humor Mm -hmm. oh yeah especially that scene with the old the landlady yeah oh my god yeah lynn shea yeah oh my god that's it's hilarious though to me
1: yeah yeah it's 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 funny and i mean it's i mean they did gross out humor the entire time dumb and dumber has a lot Mm. of those bad like really gross out gags in it. kingpin obviously does there's something about mary like is i mean yeah really goes (laughs) yeah i mean it really goes there but yeah after a while i think i don't know it's funny those 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 two you know i mean those three i guess directors like they had they struggled in that decade yeah you know it was, kevin smith tried to come out with a pg-13 movie jersey girl yeah. <laughs> that didn't do well i mean um you know zach and Mary make a porno is kind of you know i mean it's
0: i think it's funny but it's nowhere near like the stuff that he it's he almost did before.
1: like the shock factor wasn't there anymore right and and so like his movies just kind of blended in and became a lot like a lot of other people's movies Mm -hmm. and everything um so i don't know i i really like what kevin smith is doing now because he's completely branched from that (laughs) and even though yoga hosers is not uh, yeah i'm not (laughs) not a big fan of that but I do like I do like where he went with Red State and and Tusk and all. Did you that. like Red State? Yeah, I it did. Mm. It's not it's not I mean it's not a great movie, right. It's just that it's a different one for him, mm-hmm. and I think he does does it really well. So, mm-hmm. um, it
2: reminded me too much of Church when I was growing up.
1: Mm. <laughs> did you go to Woodsboro? Yeah. Or, <laughs> yeah. No, but whatever <laughs> that <laughs> place <laughs> is, Westboro, yeah. We did murder Westboro. strangers for rituals. Oh,
2: nice. I'm kidding. All right. hey please don't take that as an admission of guilt
0: (laughs) whatever floats your boat yeah um so as far as owning the decade i thought nolan really owned this decade with his influence on comic book movies his influence on visual style and storytelling and stuff like that plus he was a writer on all these things too Mm -hmm. wasn't he and particularly with i mean inception's kind of cheating at the end of the the, because it's 2010 movie i think really like when i think of this in in Fifteen years or so, I'm probably going to look back and say like that stretch from Memento all the way up to Inception was like one of my favorite directing
2: time points
0: in mm-hmm. history.
1: Yeah,
2: it's almost as good as you know that Ron Reiner had with that five great mm-hmm. movies in a row. I'm still I'm still lean Pixar for in terms of owning the decade. Um, I was pretty unmatched. It, well, I mean I can't argue with Nolan, and we don't actually have to vote and pick one. Mm-hmm. We can all have separate opinions, but uh, I think Nolan's a good a good He did own during this decade. Uh, I think Pixar just owned it a tiny bit more. Anyway,
1: Yeah. I'm probably probably still going to stick with Apatow, but none of your answers seem wrong to me.
0: Man, you've got a good point because Apatow also was in on like Talladega Nights and like you said, Anchorman Mm -hmm.
2: and just like every
0: single thing. Help
2: me, Oprah Winfrey. Help me, Jewish (laughs) guy. That was my favorite outtake on Cars Three, by the way. (laughs) Help me, Tom Cruise. (laughs) Jesus, that's
0: just that's just a crazy run there. Knocked up or Talladega Nights? Knocked up. These are producer things. Super bad. Uh, Walk hard for getting Sarah Marshall. Step Brothers. Pineapple Express. Then Year One.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did he have anything to do with Your Highness?
0: Uh, I'm sure he did. Actually. Uh, I
2: don't think so. That was a Franco,
1: and it had Danny McBride. Right?
0: Nope, he didn't. I don't think so. Interesting. He did Wait. have. He did produce. Get him to the Greek.
1: That sort of. Hmm. It, but well, your highness was David Gordon Green. Oh yeah, so it's I mean, the it's, tree. It's sort of the tree thing. Um, I mean, you could also maybe possibly even add Danny Boyle into this decade mm-hmm. uh, because of he's got twenty eight days later. He's got, now, Sunshine is still kind of a cult type of movie. But so
0: crazy that it is, too.
1: Yeah. Um, you have Slumdog Millionaire, which is where he won his Oscar and everything. Didn't he make Millions, too? Yeah. Millions is was a good movie. Was that the same decade? Yeah, I believe so. I believe he made that uh, early 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. What
2: do he do after Slumdog? Uh,
1: 127 Hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Millions was 2004. Uh, which is yeah another good movie that I don't think many people talk about, mm-hmm. but it's a uh, it's a good one. And yeah, Danny Boyle, um, you know he, he he came he shot up through the '90s there. He had Train Spotting, but then um, you know movies that he came out and up t- up until The Beach, he was you know he didn't become a real name. I don't think until Twenty Eight Days Later became that big, huge type of like you know, it was a small hit, but mm-hmm. it was a, still a big enough one that he started in he does this. He's got this eclectic career. Yeah, no kidding. You know, so yeah. I mean, I would, I would maybe mention him. I don't think he's got quite the track record that Nolan does.
0: What's the overall feeling? Because you've got a good sense of like the how the Oscars, the Best Picture went. What's your your overall sense of how? things went in the 2000s you had gladiator gladiator
1: right? you had chicago oh yeah You had, uh return of the king mm-hmm. uh which was it's a weird it's to me that's a weird thing just the, that that the third chapter of a of a series is a lone best picture and like,
2: dominated too that year. You didn't dominate
1: it? won every award like 11 nominations 11 wins i believe or something like that it might have even been 14. It even won Best Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did, and Best Kiss. Um, uh, you had uh, you had The Departed. Oh yeah, um, Dog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. You had um, oh yeah, uh, you had Crash beating Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. two thousand five, which was and that's an odd one. Um, uh, I mean, the best pictures are are okay, I guess. I mean, there's there's some good ones in yeah. there. Uh, I'm not very high on Gladiator. I know that a lot of people are. Um,
0: It was almost by default that year. Would you say that you would not (laughs) entertain? It could be.
1: But 2000 (laughs) had Traffic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, they gave the director to Soderbergh. So Mm -hmm. I don't know why Traffic didn't just go ahead and win. But that's, I don't know. There was a lot of other stuff, I guess, going on with the politicking and everything. Cause we started seeing that more often, more often. You say the director of the movie that doesn't win or whatever.
0: So no country for all men won best picture. No Over country for all men. Blood, yeah. Right? Okay. Um, did they win best director? Yeah, they too? did. Oh, okay. That
1: was, it was just like 96 where they, that was the darling of that year. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, overall pretty good, pretty good movies. Um, uh, it wasn't like the eighties, you know, you look at the best pictures of the eighties. It's, it's awful. The nineties, you know some of them are kind of shrug and give it to them type Mm -hmm. movies uh this one i don't know there's some good ones i thought city of god got shafted
0: no no kidding
1: um by the return of the king train um that was uh that was just an unfortunate year for it to come out um in the states i'm sure it came out before hmm. but it was a, an, a as a you know as a u.s movie it was 2003 so it got you know it lost best editing to return of the king <laughs> i crazy. mean eh, i mean i know there's more to the editing than just the length of the movie but yeah. come on yeah. the city of god had better editing yeah. um <laughs> uh i don't know it's it's a sneaky good decade it really is it's sneaky because all the it seems like all the real good movies were small movies and and and, yeah i guess and
2: collected smooshed together in the same year like 2007 was pretty good 2008 was pretty good 2005 sucked balls
1: yeah (laughs) but you had serviceable you had serviceable franchise movies i don't know i mean i guess there were some big big movies that were good i don't know if they would consider them just outstanding city of god children of men type movies Mm -hmm. but I mean, The Dark Knight is the closest yeah. that, to a movie becoming greatness yeah. as far as uh, just your typical popcorn flick.
0: It seems like Spielberg was shooting for that with War of the Worlds, but I don't think he, he got
1: that yeah, far. Yeah. I don't know what to think about that. Um, But uh, yeah, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> I, I feel like he, was, he made exactly the movie he wanted to. With mm. that. I don't think he was aiming for anything particular. I mean... And it's it's a remake too. I mean it's just <laughs> we we really didn't need it but a remake
0: of a remake, essentially, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. I like uh, it. Yeah. No, it's it's no, it's perfectly fine. Uh, he, I, could, I could do without the tim robbins shit i could do without the uh you know the I could, throwing
0: a baseball with tom
1: cruise yeah yeah that's probably the funniest part of scary movie four i think is what it is where <laughs> yeah. he's out throwing and he can't throw the ball <laughs> he throws it and it just <laughs> hits the ground <laughs> 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 that was another thing by the way that rose during this uh decade was the uh the after scary movie came out mm-hmm. uh the friedberg seltzer parodies started ah, the coming. terrible parody movies they the yes um and and uh, you know it i'm glad that a lot of like different you know media outlets picked up on what was so bad about those which was the reference there was the references that they kept making it was all references there wasn't anything to it other than references and i even saw i can't remember who it was it was either talk soup or something Uh like one of those that made a skit where they called it reference movie (laughs) Ah. and uh and that's what they all are is is and they were weird references too they were like mtv references (laughs) yeah you know like There was a whole thing in the, um, I think it was epic movie. And of course, all of them run together yeah yeah uh, but I believe it was epic movie where they had that whole thing where like out of nowhere suddenly it's Ashton Kutcher and punked <laughs> yeah. somebody dressed up as Ashton Ashton Kutcher doing a punked episode <laughs> and uh and and just I was like okay and then just uh, just constant like and like there was an MTV Cribs one somewhere <laughs> in there there was and,
0: one uh, I think I remember and correct me if I'm wrong on Chris's old review site it was one of the things like date movie or epic movie or something like that where he would always have a screenshot of the poster or whatever mm-hmm. i think you put like a piece of shit or something I, like that i didn't or put it a, was a dumpster or yeah something i didn't like put that. a piece of shit
1: just make that clear but in it was it was it was date movie and i was like i was like there's none of the images from this movie really do it justice <laughs> And so I I went and googled like garbage or something like that, and yeah, it's like a it's like a landfill yeah, or something like a gross. a pile of trash, and um, yeah, um, good God, man! And I, there was a there was a funny thing to me too about like in the epic movie they had this big huge like scene in there where they they were commenting on how old these kids in Harry Potter are, yeah. and like I was like they're not that old yeah. like there's got to be some truth in what you're saying and i know that even even in an apatow movie what movie was it that he did they had jonah hill come in and start commenting on how old everybody looked and everything I'm like the oldest that uh, daniel radcliffe ever was in any of those movies was 21 yeah and it's supposed to be like a through high school type of thing yeah so 18 i mean you're 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 nowhere near beverly hills nine oh (laughs) two and 90210 territory where there were 30 year old people like being teenagers (laughs) and stuff and i'm making these you know i was like yeah there's gotta be some truth to your comedy for me to laugh and like yeah they they were all i think decent age to play the characters that they were playing it wasn't like just just whoa wait wait a He looks like he's got a day job at the gas station. <laughs> he comes home to his wife and kids and shit like that. and Comes you know, home and barely knows his own daughter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, anyway, we have Diverted again. Yeah, psych like like, it. Yeah, I do too. Um, but I don't know. There's probably other things that we can talk about on this decade, but I, I can't think of anything right now.
0: Well, I mean, we talked a lot about the individual movies when we did the uh, both the uh, best of the years we've been alive, and then the the bracket. So I think we've kind of covered our bases, and I'm glad that we went this entire discussion without mentioning Avatar. Until then.
1: Notice how you brought up Avatar by saying we didn't bring it up.
0: You want to move to questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right.
3: Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth.
0: I am listening. I want the truth. Hey, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, Pick a movie and cast one of you as the villain and one of you as the hero. This example is I would put Chris and Jeremy in Back to the Future, where Jeremy is Marty and Chris is Biff. Hmm. And Barrett can be Doc. Okay, Uh, Or I would want to cast Chris and Barrett in Die Hard, where Chris is John McClane and Barrett is Hans Gruber. I would be a terrible
1: Biff, by the way. I would be a terrible Biff because I would be like, do I really have to be this fucking stupid? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able to get in. Uh, think McFly. Think. <laughs> I need time to retype it. All right. Um, I went with, I went with a different. I went with three combos here.
0: All right. So Round that Robin. so
1: that nobody is left out of anything. Sweet. So with Barrett and Jeremy i don't know why so with barrett because of his background in psychology and everything and and that he likes to call himself doc a lot which was which was funny with the back to the future thing where they oh play, yeah yeah you could have played doc papa doc yeah papa doc yeah um i i started thinking of like evil sinister doctor roles for you and stuff so uh, have you in Extreme Measures playing Gene Hackman's character? <laughs> <laughs> wow! And what was
0: the catchphrase from that? What did it? it didn't he have a catchphrase in the trailer? Filling their
1: syringes. Yeah, oh wait, no. no his funny. his thing. His thing in there was like, if you had to kill one person to cure cancer, wouldn't you have to do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his his whole thing in Extreme Measures is that he's growing nerves. He's he's mm-hmm. able to grow nerves and like uh, he's he's getting these homeless people. As unwitting guinea pigs who think that they they're getting paid or whatever, but they're not. They, they're, they're he's killing them essentially. Interesting. And, I haven't uh, seen that. No, forever. it's really not. And, and no, it's not. <laughs> it's not a good movie. uh Hugh Grant is uh, the Jeremy Scott role. Uh, nice. I can um, do such a good British accent. <laughs> indeed, you don't need to be British to be Hugh Grant's character, though. And it's uh, and and you know, there there of course maybe maybe you do have to be British in the one part where he's like, you know. You are kind of a creepy fellow, aren't oh, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's uh,
0: oh wow, I used to grow neurons actually. Yeah. So out of stem cells, so Ooh. I could I could grow some nerves. You and- might
1: want to watch Extreme Measures just for just for the you know I don't know is there is there any nostalgia? No, there's no nostalgia. <laughs> uh, well, it's a Gene Hagman. Uh, thing. It is. Yeah, it fun. is. Uh, for me and Jeremy, I have me playing Dennis Hopper and him playing Keanu Reeves and Speed.
2: Oh! I don't care about your crime <laughs> Whatever you did I'm sure you're sorry <laughs> I don't know you man
3: <laughs>
0: We're just cool
3: <laughs>
1: There's a bomb on this bus If it goes below 50 It explodes yeah, bullshit, man. <laughs> <Go>.
0: <laughs> but
1: I could be an amazing Dennis Hopper. I could be angry about my job. I can just I can have that kind of that sense memory of working at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. He was a cop, but I, movie theaters are just as infuriating, I think. <laughs> I think. It's gotta be close. <laughs> it's gotta be really close. Uh but no, uh I can be a disgruntled retired worker or something. I could be a retired cop who's like just he's He's like, look, all I got out of this was a cheap gold watch, buddy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I um, like the
0: scenes where he's up, like, in his control room, mm-hmm. and, like, he's just kind of dancing around, like, eating a sandwich and shit like that. Like, it, it makes it more of, like, a, a human character. He's not, like, this omnipotent, even though he's got all the, the monitors, he doesn't know everything. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's like, what I like about that character.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, for me and you, Barrett, I have me playing Jack Nicholson and you playing louise fletcher in one flew over the cuckoo's nest oh all right we could probably switch roles on that too if we wanted to <laughs> um,
0: i would fit n- nicely into a nurse's dress
1: yes 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 yeah. um but uh yeah
0: what would your mother say
1: billy yeah <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that would be, I think that would be, that'd be, that'd be choice. That'd be a choice hero villain thing.
0: So it ends up with me giving you electroconvulsive therapy. Yes, absolutely. And wrecking your brain. Right.
1: Or, or me giving it to you, one or the other. <laughs> doesn't matter.
2: I spent so much time thinking about this that I ended up on a pretty mediocre answer because that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I chose the negotiator because originally I was thinking, I don't want anyone to play the villain but we could still square off. Ah so Chris would be the Samuel L. Jackson role mm-hmm. and nice. I would be the Kevin Spacey role mm-hmm. and um bear, I'll let you choose if you want to be the villain, which is I would call that J.T. Walsh probably yeah uh, or you could be the Paul Giamatti Comic relief side character who's also a hostage.
1: Oh come on, Samuel Jackson was the villain of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you want, yeah, if you look at it literally, you're watching. You're, watch, you're just you're just watching that movie wrong.
2: Oh okay, that's that's all I did. Oh nice.
1: So I like it's it. Your turn now.
0: I've got I've got one that I had when we first posed this question, and then I have one that I just thought about this morning. So uh the one that I thought about, uh it's in Tombstone, mm-hmm. and in Tombstone, I think it would be perfect for Jeremy to be playing Wyatt Earp. Uh, the Kurt Russell character. And then Chris to be playing either Curly Bill mm. or Johnny Ringo. Ah. And then I would be the Sam Elliott character because mm-hmm. I want a big mustache in that voice. Does, does,
1: does, does Johnny Ringo last very long in Tombstone?
0: He lasts until Doc Holliday kills him in the duel.
1: Oh, okay. I, I, for some reason, I thought he was, I don't know. I thought he was, I don't know. Who I haven't I seen again? it forever.
0: So you're, Kurt, you're uh, Wyatt Earp. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hell's coming with you, man. Hell's coming with me.
2: I get to club people over the head with the butt of a gun.
0: No, Curly Bill is the Powers Booth character Mm -hmm. that is the leader of the Cowboys until he gets killed at the the Creek site Mm -hmm. uh, where Kurt Russell's like, No. Mm. No. (laughs) And uh, after that, there's a great scene after that where he kills Curly Bill. Um, they're, They're sitting around talking to Doc Holliday and they're like, Where's Wyatt? And he's like, He's down by the creek, walking on water. (laughs) (laughs) But then I thought about another thing, uh, (laughs) because late last night I watched The Ref. Remember The Ref? Yeah, Yeah, I I enjoyed that. Uh, I love The Ref. I would love to be the the Dennis Leary character, and Jeremy could be the Kevin Spacey character. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And Chris could be
2: the Judy. uh, So I'm the guy that Judy just takes all the shit the whole movie.
0: Uh, he doesn't he gives a lot of shit too okay well no. that's a that's a, a movie that falls apart in the middle of it but mm-hmm. is pretty enjoyable all the way through that's
1: that's Ted Demi yeah the, Ted Demi yeah brother of Jonathan Demme. they had
0: they had this great scene the beginning because they're they're fighting married couple and uh they're at the the therapist's office and you know he's processing with them and at the end he's like you know, can we keep the voices down? And they both turn to him. They're like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: funny. Uh, uh,
0: anyway, that's got a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, the ref. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty enjoyable, I remember.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I really like it.
0: It's funny. They wait until the very end to give Dennis Leary that like super rant of like, I'm going to push you in a, in a cannon and I'm going to shoot you out and then I'm going to have your bits like on my fire. In front anyway. <laughs> okay, next question. What films from a director that usually gets a ton of praise that you just don't like or get i like this question a lot uh the example that they give is as much as i love film the different kinds of film i cannot get into wes anderson films i
2: understand that. i know people like that
1: yeah yeah i don't know if okay so i'm gonna say guillermo del toro on this one um i I don't know if i dislike the movies like the question is saying that he dislikes wes anderson movies Mm. but I think Del Toro has gotten this ride as this like amazing director that is undeserved uh mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh I mean I will I will I will grant that Pan's Labyrinth is a, is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to grant that the Hellboys are going to be like Hellboy isn't like an amazing movie. Those movies are good, but and they're not like anything that I'm like, "Oh my god, that Guillermo del Toro, man. He really knocked that shit out of the park. Like nobody could have done that." And then, uh, and then, like, um, I'm not a big fan of, um, Pacific Rim at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Not either. Yeah. Yeah the trailers um,
2: for this sequel oh my god are they cringy oh i haven't seen them. oh my god
1: and uh, he did blade 2 and he did mimic mm-hmm. and he did and i haven't and there's a couple i haven't seen well the shape of water his new one is supposed to be it's supposed to be great amazing but it also the trailer for that movie it looks like every looks like every yeah. everything that i've ever seen from him before and it, and he's He's very good visually. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing wrong with his visuals at all. But I always feel like his story takes a backseat. A lot like Tim Burton. Although, I can actually point to several Tim Burton movies that I love. Yeah. But I can't point to very many that I love with Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I want, he's a guy I want to love. But I, I have, so far have not had the track record that says I need to watch, you know, I, that i really like in any his, of his movies, and I haven't seen that Crimson Peak. I heard that Crimson Peak wasn't very good. Well, it seems um, like he's
0: he's reliant on visuals at mm-hmm. this point. In fact, I heard an interview with him about The Shape of Water, where the reason that it might be better than like his standard features is that um, he spent a lot more time on story. Like, Yes, he spent a lot of time on the creatures and stuff like... And the creature mm-hmm. and how it looks and how it, it operates. Apparently, they got it anatomically correct to where it could have sex with the main character. Mm-hmm. It's not a spoiler. It's He, he talked about it. Um, but even in Pan's Labyrinth, the trailer and like every, all the promotional is about the, the guy with the eyes in his hands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the, the Strange show that he did for FX. Mm-hmm. Like, everything... Is visual and it is cool, but you can't carry a whole movie. And, like
1: uh, that. and he came up. He came up at the time when he came up. The um, you know his they, they called him the three ami- three amigos. Mm-hmm. You had Alejandro G. Inuritu and you had Alfonso Coron. They were all listed together. The way everything started out, it looked like Guillermo del Toro was going to have the biggest career out of those out of those guys. But those two other guys have long surpassed him. Have made great movies that I loved since yep. I ever heard of the Three Amigos. Um, you
0: don't see him making the Revenant or Gravity no you don't
1: now if he I'm sure he has that in him that's Mm -hmm. the thing I'm sure he has it in him he's just never done it Mm -hmm. I mean I mean Pan's Labyrinth I'll give him that and then yes there's probably a couple of early movies that I haven't seen that maybe approach that and I'm sorry if I haven't seen those but Everything that I have seen, I'm like, eh, okay. Apology accepted. Right. <laughs> we are the three. Oh, <laughs> uh
2: David O. Russell. Oh. <laughs> Who had a stretch there where he seemed to get nominated every year. His mm-hmm. films did from, like, The Fighter through American Hustle. Even Joy, I think, got nominated. Um, I think Silver Linings Playbook is pretty good. hmm I really like Three Kings. Mm-hmm. Never seen another one of his movies that I really cared about or got. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You didn't like I Heart Huckabee's? No. No.
1: Yeah, I Heart Huckabee's is a piece of shit. I, I don't <laughs> no, don't you like, didn't like that at all. No, I don't like that movie at all. Um, mm. uh, he he started off with Spanking the Monkey, which is a a, a, a decent movie. Three Three Kings was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the? Uh, there's one I'm missing in the '90s. Uh, that one with Tay Leone and Ben Stiller.
0: Oh, flirting with the disaster Flirting with disaster. Yeah, yeah. he did that that was good
1: yeah that was good and uh and then but then yeah i mean i like silver linings playbook probably better than you do but then after that yeah there's a lot of kind of i mean the i like the fighter probably better than you do too um but american hustle has some signs of where you know it seems like it's he's kind of he's kind of breaking down a little bit and i never have seen joys. so uh but you're right he does seem to have this uh sudden like out of nowhere love from critics and everything which is kind of weird considering his reputation yeah
2: <laughs> well and even that some of the actors just keep wanting to work with him over and over again yeah like jennifer lawrence and uh yeah bradley <laughs> cooper are <laughs> uh, both in cooper. Jo- both enjoy both in american hustle silver both playbook. in silver lining yeah. playbook so you know reputation aside there there must be something
1: which is weird people too see that we I've don't. heard him I've heard him in interviews and he's you know he's he's interesting to listen to and everything he's not like an <laughs> asshole throwing things <laughs> no interview. he's not throwing <laughs> things at Lily Tomlin um but uh but uh, but yeah I'm I'm guessing behind the scenes he's just kind of that uh dictator type uh, of director I actually
2: saw a headline on Reddit I did not click through so that makes me a total authority on what i'm about to say indeed but the headline said uh it was one of the til today i learned on the subreddit and it was a that steven spielberg was actually pretty demanding and mean to his cast and crew until somewhere on the set of i think it was jaws kathleen kennedy pulled him aside and reamed him and forever changed the way he acted as a director. Hmm, interesting. I thought that was pretty interesting. Huh, yeah. I think people can get a reputation for for this kind of stuff that at least begins at a place of artistic artistic integrity um and and passion. Uh and in some cases it gets it gets a little too far. Mhm. David orsell <laughs> <laughs>
0: My pick is Robert Rodriguez. Mm. Oh man, That's That's I would pick this if you hadn't. Yeah, I'm the same way. I you know shrug, shrug, constant shrug. It's weird because I think he was in the same a similar ballpark as like Richard Linklater because they're both from Austin. He did a lot of stuff crossover with Quentin Tarantino, um, and he did from Dust Till Dawn. He directed from Dust Till Dawn. Obviously, did you know a part of the screenplay and Quentin Tarantino did. Uh, the rest of it and you can tell the difference In them mm-hmm. um, and I, I Love from Dustel Dawn but otherwise like I Never really got into El Mariachi uh, That was you know supposed to be the greatest One of the greatest indie movies of the
1: 90s Well El Mariachi gets A lot of slack Because it was made for $7,000 Maybe even less Um, uh, So I, That's why it does I think I mean it's one of those It's one of those things well look at what he did With this amount of money even yeah. though if you were to not know that and just pop it in, <laughs> yeah, it would be a different story, right?
0: I, yeah, I mean, it looks it looks perfectly fine. I just never got really into the characters. I thought Desperado was just overwrought, mm-hmm. like, uh, and and Antonio Banderas is perfectly fine. But Desperado
2: fine. does have an appearance from the guy I always call the Hispanic Phil Hartman, what? <laughs> the guy that plays the villain. Is the guy for the, for the same villain from Clear Present Danger. <laughs>
1: Oh um it's a uh, oh god I, I used know, to know no. this guy's name <laughs> uh, I'm sure you I
2: do I don't
1: I used to know it because he, it's something like uh it's something like Almeida or something like that It's Tony you, Almeida no. Well, it's funny because Tony. Alme- Every time I heard Tony Almeida's name, I would think of this guy. It's um, like you could ask a
2: Simpsons artist to draw a Hispanic version of Phil Hartman, and this is what they would draw.
1: It's Joaquin the Almeida.
2: There you go. Uh, ah, yeah. there you go. I'm sure everybody at home's like, "Oh, that guy." <laughs> but
3: anyway.
2: there's
0: little there's little parts. You know, there's parts in Spy Kids. Other people really like Spy Kids. Um, they're eight. Yeah, I guess.
1: The only thing about your answer that I do wonder about is: is he critically acclaimed in the way that is he a guy that everybody loves? I'm not. I think in the '90s he was. Not sure he ever was. I mean, I I understand that he had that as with the association with Tarantino and everything. People sort of gave his movies a little bit more clout, or they gave him a little bit more of a chance, or whatever. Um. But I s I, I don't know if he's ever hit that level where people are like he's not like Guillermo del Toro when he comes out with a movie.
0: I don't know, man. I had a lot of friends that just that that thought that all, El, El Mariachi and Desperado were just hot shit mm. in the nineties. Like it was and they were, it was it they was, were
1: probably blinded by the Salma Hayek nude scene in Desperado and possibly He made so. another
0: one. He did Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Right. Which is say. actually ironically my favorite of those three. Um, because that was like right around, you know, the point where Johnny Depp started going off the rails mm-hmm. as far as performances go. That was a fun performance. Um, it has
1: that has that great line? Are you a Mexican or a Mexican? <laughs>
0: he said so weird in that movie mm-hmm. because he's like he's got this. He's a he's a undercover or he's a rogue FBI agent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's got an addiction to wearing like goofy T-shirts. Yeah. Like. <laughs>
1: like i'm stupid or something like that yeah
0: uh but yeah so he did that and uh, i just i've never gotten and, into it
1: and yeah and sin city that's not a great oh, that's another one, one he did i hate, yeah. hated that movie. But it, I, that
2: one i think goes on the column of he see again i don't know if he's critically acclaimed but i would say he gets more credit than his films have earned mm-hmm. uh and 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 to know that he's directing something does not in any way sway me to want to see <laughs> i agree
0: all right. Here's a question: What movie should have been longer? This person just rewatched *The Last of the Mohicans*, and despite being two hours long, it felt rushed, uh, especially the love story part. Uh, I read that the studio made Michael Mann cut it down from three hours, uh, which he had been happy to see. Uh, what do you think is is a better longer movie?
1: It's funny too. I you know I, I recently rewatched *Last of the Mohicans*. I mean, probably like in the last year anyway. And I was expecting it to be three hours long when I popped it in. I didn't even yeah. realize that it was under two when I when I when I started watching. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I'm gonna go with Dazed and Confused. I am um, mm. the uh, the reason is is I really love I love these movies where there's these characters. They're all talking about different things. That's just different topics and everything. Talk about it in a really interesting way and all that. And it, I don't get me wrong i think Days and Confuse is actually the perfect length mm-hmm. because it's it's covering the last day of school and the last night of school but i would love to see another hour of the all these people talking some more and i wish he had made Days and Confuse kind of like how he did the before yeah sun sunrise sunset and all those uh and we could have kept coming back to these characters and everything because it would have been interesting to see and it would have been interesting to see if he could have gotten McConaughey back, you know, like maybe do it every, not every, maybe, I don't know, 10 years. He could years?
0: have done a boyhood thing with it him. Where he <laughs> yeah. one every year. You know,
1: like, you know, is McConaughey still like, you know, hanging out outside the <laughs> Emporium and all that? <laughs> Probably so. Is he still doing that? Uh, you know,
0: it's interesting because I thought everybody wants some. Um, which is what is supposed to be like the spiritual sequel to it mm-hmm. I thought that was a little too long no yeah you know so I, I I get what you're saying yeah um
1: I just I there's some there's certain movies where there's not any like overriding conflicts or anything like that it's just a lot of people just talking and being buds and just gotta you know, keep living man yeah and it's just a lot of just it's uh, the way they talk about things are just really fun to, to, to listen to them, especially when they're like they're high school kids and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're sitting there, especially when they're all like getting high and everything. And they're like, we're the aliens, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and all that. It's just, uh, uh, it's a, it's, there's certain movies that make you want to continue the entire now days and views. They've got, they go all the way to the morning, and mm-hmm. it's I, it's got that feel like, you know, if we had seen them the next morning, it wouldn't have nearly the same sort of mesmerizing effect, I don't think, because it's that whole that one day thing that really. But I still want to see more. Did you
0: have a graduation party when you graduated high school? Yeah, yeah,
1: not I don't think anything like that.
0: It wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Did mm-hmm. you? <laughs> have, you not, have you not heard enough about my upbringing? I,
1: I do remember there was, a, there was I do remember a bunch of friends and I had a thing where we it was i we all drove to my theater which didn't have matinees during the week the weekend Mm -hmm. during the week and so it was a a completely empty theater and i could pretty much do whatever i wanted to nice um and so we went there it was like a half day or something like that around noon one o'clock or whatever and we started watching some movies Mm -hmm. and uh I think we watched Forget Paris. <laughs> <laughs> is that where he's a basketball ref? No. Yeah, well, he starts off that way and it's the the, the line in the trailer where Kareem Abdul Jabbar is having his farewell right. thing. And uh and he's like, um he kicks Kareem Abdul Jabbar out of the game and he's like, yeah, this is my farewell game. <laughs> well let me be the first to say farewell. <laughs> you know, and all that. And so yeah, I believe that is I believe that is that because he gets fired right and then he he has one of those moments where he has to like you know i guess go to paris or something i can't remember the whole <laughs> fucking movie um are
2: we running it together with the one with my giant or whatever no the tall basketball I never giant? see my giant so he's got two movies with, with basketballs is this, but like that's a main...
1: a, the, it's such a small part of forget paris okay. like it's like the beginning yeah. of the movie and then he's not he doesn't do that
0: there is a part in that movie i think where he calls up his friend in the hotel and this is obviously pre-internet. Uh, he was like, do you remember our uh, our high school PE teacher? And he's like, oh, you know, Mrs. Whatever it is. And he's like, what for? And he was like, uh, I was just, uh, you know, planning on masturbating later. I wanted a, a name to put the face to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, uh, my God. <laughs> uh, I know so what Joe Montaigne is in it. And yeah, this is the one. Yeah, he and it's he and Deborah Winger and all that. I, I mean, it's one of those movies. I saw it back then. Yep. I don't remember anything. Graduation day. Don't remember anything else about it. <laughs> um, Was it? It came out in yeah, 95. It came out May 19th, 1995. Nice. So, Good call. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why it was that movie. There was, 95 was sort of a weird year. It seemed like every time I had one of these like friends get together type of things because I had two that year one was the uh, graduation and then one was when there was a big huge snowstorm and i got a whole bunch of people out <laughs> and we watched a whole bunch of stuff that whatever was out at the time so it was toy story it was grumpier old men <laughs> it was cutthroat island yeah. it was <laughs> like you know it was so there was a lot of <laughs> shitty movies and these like things or i
2: drove in that so- storm from nashville back up to chicago oh really yeah it was one of the. it was actually the single scariest drive i've ever been a part of geez it, it was a blizzard yeah and we didn't leave in time so basically snow-covered roads whiteout conditions we had no choice but to keep going <laughs> it was frightening nice <laughs> yeah um so i'm gonna go with drive with ryan Gosling. Mm. all right now i know this movie is divisive enough that some people really dislike it uh and it it's following maybe cult i i don't know um it's a movie that's all about vibe and mm-hmm. tone, and I dig the shit out of it. Uh, and it I, it shocked me when I looked it up preparing for this to, to find out exactly how long it was, because I've always thought, this movie should be longer. I keep watching. It's only an hour and 35 minutes. Oh, really? Including credits. And you don't think about that. I mean, if, you, if you're if you just kind of remembering the movie, you probably think, yeah, it was probably about two hours. But no, and I could have gone another 25 minutes in that universe with those music choices, with the colors, and... Um, there's just a lot to love there, and I I, I felt brought out too soon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. I, that was my answer.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a I haven't seen it since since came out, but I just remember watching it and not realizing how brutally violent it was. Right, and it just comes out of nowhere. And I was like, damn, I'm I'm not prepared. I was not prepared for this. Um I ended up liking that movie though. I yeah. don't I had, I didn't get to a situation where I'm like, I love this or I hate it, but it was I just remember like I don't like if it. If
2: only for your your three main side characters are played by Brian Cranston, Albert Brooks, and Ron Perlman. Yeah. How yeah. <laughs> can you not enjoy that?
0: Um speaking of hating movies, mm-hmm. I ironically think Justice League should have been longer.
2: Okay. And you're not alone there.
0: You know, there's so much bloat, especially in something like Batman v Superman, yeah. uh, where it was just so long and it was so protracted and it was just awful. I think with a movie like this, at the pace in which they were trying to, to make it, you needed another 25 minutes to make that even serviceable.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, to fill in a little bit of backstory for Cyborg in particular, especially the secondary characters. Aquaman had literally like what one shot, one scene mm-hmm. in his home village. Maybe two scenes where Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne shows up. Um, and then Cyborg had basically his backstory. you got to watch Batman v Superman. You know, Flash had uh, a little bit. But, like, color those in a little bit. We know Wonder Woman. We know Superman. We know Batman at this point. Yeah,
2: and the movie opens with a Batman action sequence and a Wonder Woman action <laughs> exactly. sequence. Exactly, And it's not like the time wasn't there. Yeah. They just used it on the wrong things. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I don't disagree, and I know the internet agrees with you, especially you're actually agreeing with all those dc hardcore fanboys yeah who want what they th- believe exists the so-called snyder cut that's near three hours long um
0: every fucking article that i see on my twitter timeline is th- th- the reason that the justice league director's cut will never come out zach snyder teases that he might put it out no it doesn't exist yeah. no it's this no it's a whedon director's cut blah 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 it's like fucking what is the deal with this yeah no mm-hmm. i agree
2: i like i think your line was perfect to to make it serviceable yeah it could have stood to be longer i still don't think it would have made it great
0: yeah batman v superman did not need that extra thing with the director
2: yeah take the time out there and throw it forward into <laughs> don't justice league. you think
1: a lot of the things though that we don't like about justice league would still be there even if you had 45 extra minutes though absolutely i uh i, I do wonder about that like you know you and i both saw the extended cut of batman v superman mm-hmm. and um i mean there
0: was one moment yeah
1: the batman yes scene. and and that was
0: it yeah like there was a, that, that that made that you know even watchable mm-hmm. um and i don't know if i would have noticed it if i didn't have like a list of shit that they put in mm-hmm. that it was it was longer there was like a superman thing that had some context to it
1: too yeah whatever that was the that was the movie that i i was i had the i had the the uh, theatrical version <laughs> yeah on my computer i think and then i had the extended version on my tv and i would watch and then once they diverged i'd have to pause <laughs> the other one and like watch the extended scene and then the extended scene would get finally catch up to the the other movie and i'm like all right yeah. sync them back up
2: <laughs> oh, What a pain in the
0: ass it was terrible all right let's do one more what are your favorite instances of songs as exposition where the lyrics or name or the nature of the song are directly adding to the story this listener's contribution would be the times they are a changing in watchmen mm-hmm. definitely not the hallelujah in watchmen no uh the lyrics complemented the photos articles being shown perfectly I, I i like that yeah i actually like that montage at the beginning of, of watchmen
1: um so my my answer I, I wanted to come up with something just really fucking cool but a lot of times i come up with something cool i'm gonna bring these up too though by the way but i come up with something cool i couldn't figure out if it really had anything to do with the movie at all mm-hmm. um so lean on me starts with welcome to the jungle
0: i was shocked to learn that because i've seen that movie but i did not remember that
1: and it's the entire song too like it opens up with that and just the whole song plays so mm-hmm. you you get to see what's going on in this high school right off the bat and of course welcome to the jungle is all about you know going to a city and seeing all these different things that (laughs) you know the the drugs the sex the money
0: the shenananananana Uh, (laughs) yeah the (laughs) (laughs) shenananananese
1: um so uh so so that's that's one that i think fits the question the one that i thought might uh might go along with it and it, it just doesn't i read i was reading the lyrics to it and everything i was like i think you just picked it to be cool wes anderson uh for um for the it uses the who's a quick one while he's away when mm-hmm. during that whole scene where um schwartzman and murray are like getting back at each other you know they in keep, rushmore yeah in mm-hmm. rushmore for, it starts off with the bees going into bill murray's office yeah. and everything and murray having that just that priceless look on his face like that motherfucker <laughs> you know and it's like it's like and you know it goes into that song and the song is about a woman who uh like her her husband or somebody or her lover or whatever has left and has been gone for a year and then like she uh has sex with somebody else while he's away <laughs> and and then the husband or whatever comes back and forgives her for the sins that she's so it didn't have anything to do with it but it goes along with this i was i when when you hear a quick one while he's away it seems so much, you know, like a revenge type song mm-hmm. or whatever like that. It's not really a revenge song. Mm-hmm. And the other one that I thought of that was, I was like, oh, surely this has something to do with it, even though I didn't know what the lyrics were before. But Martin Scorsese plays that uh, Donovan's Atlantis during the uh, scene where they're beating down Billy Bats in, uh, in uh, Goodfellas.
0: Goodfellas, yeah.
1: I'm not pick, pick, I'm not saying movie titles today. I'm playing the the movie title game with you. guys. <laughs> um, no. I thought
0: uh, Billy Bats was in Casino for a second there. That's why. Uh,
1: I it's, uh, it's it's you know, it's the character that's like go get your shine box. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they beat him down in the in the bar and and Donovan's Atlantis plays during this. And you look at the lyrics to Atlantis and it's like, well, that's pretty much about fucking Atlantis. <laughs> 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 And, and you're thinking, well, maybe because it's like uh, way down uh, under the ocean. Way, is what it keeps him way down under the ocean. You're like, okay, well, maybe they mean they're going to bury him in the ocean. He's going to be sleeping with the fishes, you know, right. like good old gangster stuff. But then they, they just bury him in the ground. <laughs> so it doesn't really have much to do with anything. Anyway.
0: Well, same thing with Layla. I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with the, yeah. the end of it, but it's It's perfect. just a cool song. Fucking yeah.
2: perfect. I'm going with Wonder Boys, which opens with a Bob Dylan tune called Things Have Changed, Mm. Uh, and this is notable for a few reasons, because you're you're following Michael Douglas driving in a car, and this is a character that basically is old and busted at this point. He Mm. had that one hit novel 10 years prior. He's been teaching ever since, working on his second one and you'll find out through the movie he's just lost he's lost his way smoking too much weed he doesn't know how to care about anything he's quit making choices both in his writing and in his life and it's led to a lot of issues um so the song and its lyrics do a good job of sort of talking about that i used to care but things have changed that's the hook of the song Mm. Uh, and this is a man that used to care and things have changed it's also if i remember right it was like the first new music from bob dylan in a long time and so it was significant that he, he wrote it for this movie, right? Yeah, he did. He wrote several songs for the movie. Mm-hmm. The closing credits have another Dylan song, too. Uh, but also, this was an older-aged Dylan, you yeah. know, and sort of parallels there between, you know, how he's aged versus how Michael Douglas's character is aged. And anyway, it's always struck me as just a very pre- kind of perfect union uh, where you don't have to be paying attention to the lyrics Uh, because it's kind of got it's got a little jangly kind of feel like a lot of dylan songs Uh, and you might just be looking at the credits or watching what's on screen but if you want to go that extra layer deeper that what the song's talking about applies directly to the character they're introducing you to
1: i think he won the oscar for this too and he might have either he at least got nominated but i remember him playing that song at the oscars now he wasn't at the ceremony he was like a on satellite or something (laughs) like that and so when they did the nominations He's, like, standing there in, the, in this live shot or whatever, you know. So, and, I th- yeah, I think he ended up winning. I and, just
0: watched uh, Walt Card recently, and that that scene where he's like, maybe Bob Dylan stole from me. And then <laughs> the cut to that song. is like, lighthouse is bad. And the band's like, what the fuck is he saying?
3: It's so great.
0: (laughs) Uh, All right. So I think it's almost a cliche because it's really on the nose, but at the end of Magnolia, the Wise Up song, Mm -hmm. the Amy Mann song. Yeah. So I watched this again, and I still don't really know. I think it goes perfectly with it because each of the characters are, are reaching some sort of resolution, whether it's. you know Julianne Moore kind of, uh, you know, realizing what what she's done. They're and where all she's damaged characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there there, there's a few in the car. There's Philip Seymour Hoffman in the in the room with the uh, Jason Robards and everything. And it's it's like it's not going to stop until you wise up. But then it's also like just kind of giving yourself over to the situation. And uh, I, I, there's so much to unpack from that movie that I kind of want to just watch the whole thing again. Mm-hmm. And, and write, like, a missive about it and send it to Kevin Smith and see what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, but that that song is so great because they play the actual song in the background and then they have the actors singing over it. Man, it's fucking yeah, it's, it's it's intense, great man. Yeah, good choice.
1: Um, yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins Facebook page. Keep going to our SoundCloud.
0: Good comments this week.
1: Very good comments. everybody. Thanks was- for
0: showing so much love to Jesse. She yes. deserved it. But Absolutely. thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and, you know i i do pretty much respond to most things on facebook and i i felt bad because everybody was like congrats on the 100th episode congrats mm-hmm. on jesse and i'm like how how can i creatively say thanks a hundred times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um uh and the answer is you you don't um but uh but yeah appreciate all that but keep going to the go going to our cinema twitter we've got mm-hmm. uh, reddit we've got uh, a million different ways to come in contact with us um But uh, that'll do it for this week. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Sher. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
0: Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube,
3: Twitter, Facebook,
0: and Reddit. And be sure to visit CinemaSins.com. not gonna pull that up again because it's apparently yeah a trap yeah i, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. it's a trap <laughs> it's a trap <coughs> by the way that would piss me off about rogue one is all those little stupid callbacks to the yeah the original yeah. where it's like uh who says it's a trap oh well saw guerrera does yeah and somebody else says i've got a bad feeling yeah, about they, oh yeah and then they him. cut him off they cut him off but the so- okay so saw guerrera did not have that crazy high-pitched thing at the beginning of the movie right because when he called down to her, he was like, come child
1: or whatever. A high right? pitch thing. What do you
0: mean? He, he talks like this. Oh, He's yeah. All, yeah. Like,
1: goes la, la, la. all over the there place is that a movie. That is a <laughs> weird performance, man. <laughs> this and... is the most we've
2: ever tipped our hand at upcoming videos <laughs> in a podcast. <laughs> we might as well just
0: embrace it. Half of the comments in the ET video are like, Rogue One's coming next week. <laughs> yeah, everybody Sweet. knows
2: it. I don't care. They waited long enough. <laughs> We're yep. giving it to you. Yep. We went through a lot of pain to make it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I would watch an entire movie with Donnie Yen's blind force wielding. Yes. Staff dude. An entire movie. <laughs> Fucking awesome. I mean, basically it would be like Eat man in the Star Wars universe. Yep. And I'd be totally okay with him mm. like Yodaing somebody. Oh god, that's one of my, that's one of my favorite characters. Um, he he's one of the few that does get... What's funny is his partner with the machine guns gets as much screen time or more, mm-hmm. but gets none of the development. Yeah. Like, Donnie N's character actually feels like a character. One of the few in the movie that does. Yeah. Like, Riz Ahmed's character doesn't feel like a character. Oh, he's the pilot. He's the pilot. Right. He says yeah. he's the pilot about the million <laughs> right. times. Right. Uh, K- K2SO, <laughs> hilariously, is probably one of the better developed characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel much for Jen.
0: Jen <clears throat> spends a lot of the movie looking pouty.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, her character's supposed to pout, but I don't feel much for that, and well, basically anybody else.
0: What about Jimmy Smith? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I mean, I really think more of more about it L.A. Law days yeah. <laughs> so when I see Jimmy Smith. Like, I'm more nostalgic for L.A. Law yes. than I am in his yes. uh, prequels. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, Jen's another character. He's she's introduced uh, early on uh you know as the little girl little version of her or whatever who looks exactly like felicity jones i think they got uh, oh yeah got a doppelganger child actor to play her it's Uh,
0: actually her they started filming oh yeah that's right 26 (laughs) years ago
1: who did the richard langletter thing (laughs) yeah but uh but like uh but like they start our start her off there and then before you even even know it she's whisked away and she's 20 years older Mm mm-hmm and uh and then she's already—I don't know. She's a—I don't know. She's a criminal or something. I yeah. don't know. Who knows? they cut that whole the they thing from the trailer? Yeah, that's the that's that's another issue I have. And I know you have to make it a certain length. It has to be—you know—it can't be three hours long or anything. It's like still that. long, <laughs> but you—I mean, that's what it would have been if we had gotten what we wanted out of this. But you know, they they, they could have done something kind of cool here by making a Rogue One Part One and then a Rogue One Part Two, even though we don't uh you know encourage that type of thing Uh, i think i think it would be it it would at least been nice to have one part where we start the introduction of these characters and then the second one is where they do all the stuff Mm -hmm. and that way we know and i don't know what story you'd have in that so-called part one but you know
0: she's gonna get a spinoff of a Mm spinoff they'll do like the teenage years Mm -hmm. the jenner so chronicles exactly did they name the uh, they named the Han Solo movie right? Is it called Solo?
2: Solo, a Star Wars story, which I oh, can't they... tell you how much I love that. I hope they keep doing that. I hope a Star Wars story is the suffix of every non-canon movie ever. And I'm being completely sarcastic.
1: No, it'll happen. It's definitely happening. It's because, so stupid because they did that with Twilight. They um, yeah. They uh, they wanted to have you know they wanted to have it where they okay here's the title of it but we want to make sure that everybody knows it's twilight right? exactly so they did that type of thing with twilight and they've been doing that ever but since star
2: wars is at a point where damn just name it solo you yeah. think people aren't gonna know it's coming out yeah. it's like fucking logan everybody knew what logan was yeah they didn't say an x-men
1: story <laughs> <Yeah>. even
2: watching <laughs> like origins. even watching the press for upcoming the last jedi i'm like why are you even spending money on this like mm-hmm. this seems like at this point you've reached critical mass already you know don't spend the millions of whatever it costs to send all those actors to all these talk shows and do all this press. Everybody's going to be there already. Most of them probably already bought their ticket. There was a Gizmodo article or something like that that said the Star Wars, the Last Jedi
0: is going to be is going to be the best reviewed Star Wars film ever.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I didn't I didn't click on it, but like it, it it seemed like a factual thing. It wasn't like an opinion piece. I don't think
2: anybody's like seen it yet.
0: I don't think anybody has either. Even right? press. Yeah.
2: But the Phantom Thread apparently screened for press and mm-hmm. ooh, did there. you see <laughs> it's like, oh God, everybody's raving. Yeah. I saw one tweet
0: review and I'm really, really excited because it because that trailer is just The trailer's weird. Weird, right? Mm-hmm. It it seems fine, but it doesn't seem it like it doesn't tell you enough, which is fine. Which, yeah, which is fine. Which
1: fine. Is fine. It, I mean, it, it sells itself on the fact that it's Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna watch it regardless but yeah i think they're holding back on what makes that movie good in the trailer
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i think they are
1: because that trailer doesn't make you want to go if it was if it said you know directed by jane campion i would be like "Eh, (laughs) yeah eh."
0: like starring james franco right
1: i'd be like "Eh, yeah maybe (laughs) i might see it i don't know
0: Uh, i've got to see a lot of shit did you like ladybird
1: oh yeah that's so good
2: i've liked Lady bird yet do I look like a guy who goes to the theater very often? <laughs> I have liked
1: every single movie that is out right now that the people have told me to go see. Mm-hmm. So I have the Big Six, the Big Sick on uh, Blu-ray. I watched mm-hmm. that last week. Really enjoyed it. Um, and then I saw the Florida Project at Bell That's an, an outstanding movie. Mm. Outstanding. Um, I, I haven't. I. I I can't believe the performances that are in that. Who's in that? Um, well, the only name actor is Willem Dafoe, and he pulls out one of his best performances ever. Nice. Because it's so not Willem Dafoe-like. Really? Even though, I mean, you know, it's y- there's a certain expectation with Willem Dafoe. It's not Death yeah. Note, Will and Biffo, <laughs> yeah, right? where he's a, he's just kind of a creepy character <laughs> over there in the corner. Um, it's not like that. And then he got he found some girl off of Instagram.
0: Yeah, it, it's and, like amateurs, right?
1: Yeah, and she's fucking phenomenal. Hmm. And uh, then they got these kid actors who were amazing in it. Um, and the kids sort of rule the rule the movie for about an hour or so. Hmm. Um, but then it sort of, the story sort of changes, but, um, but yeah, the, uh, that, that was just, that's one of those you think about afterwards. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, uh, the, um, three bit billboards outside Mm -hmm. Ebbing, Missouri is a really good one. Francis McDormand, really, really awesome in that. I've seen a lot of great female performances this year. If This is another fucking Meryl Streep fest, you know? I mean, she, I guess she could get nominated for the post or something like that. Um, but if this is one of those where she's like getting nominated for, you know, some bullshit, you know, <laughs> like we always see with Meryl Streep. I'm Ricky be... and the Flash. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If I see that bullshit, I'm going to be pissed because there's plenty to ru- plenty to go through this time. It's not just like some token Meryl Streep year. Uh, Saoirse
0: Ronan was really great oh, in, man, She's, in, uh,
2: so she's so Lady good. Bird. Why do you guys it? both guys be, keep looking at me like I feel enough shame? I'm sorry I didn't <laughs> see it. You I said Ladybird and both of you went look over mm-hmm. Jeremy it was like well, you're scripted the,
1: yeah cuz you're not in that you're not in that club of people who've Plus, seen Plus also Bird.
2: my nickname is Ladybird so I guess maybe mm-hmm. it's not <laughs> not for you guys to just That's
1: correct. It's basically Greta Gerwig like it's apparently autobiographical. Autobiog- yeah. the that's other thing. I've seen two movies that were basically autobiographical and it's amazing how those end up being good movies most of the time. Mm-hmm. Big Sick was the other one. Um It's just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's because of the familiarity with the material or something that they just are so at ease making the movie and making all the scenes and everything. So, I don't know, Big Sick and and Lady Bird have that in common. Lady Uh, Bird has
0: the, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it's like the most realistic performance of losing a virginity that I think I've ever seen. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) She's like, I
0: was
2: on top. Who the fuck loses their virginity when they're on time? <laughs> nice. Did the poker soaks, poker soaks? Did the poker so, so- do the poker socks help? <laughs> po- poker soaks. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, do the poker socks help? Uh, or is I it put- just a cuteness thing? Have you seen the poker socks?
0: I have not. Yeah, They got nice. Yeah. I've also got barbecue socks. My mother gives me these socks. Barbecue obviously. socks.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, that was fucking outstanding. <laughs>
0: they oh. say uh, they say things like uh, like hot stuff and like smoking and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, my son likes them so much that he, <laughs> he stole them from me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: what the fuck, man? Why do you want barbecue? Yeah, sauce? yeah. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a commercial this morning for Chili's, and they were advertising some like enhanced fajita. But the they're running <laughs> they're running that enhanced. that barbecue sauce jingle again. Mm-hmm. Only they're like barely doing barbecue, and it, like he was like fajitas or something, and meat and the cheese barbecue sauce or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but part of it was Chili's is back, baby. That's part of the song. Mm. And I was like, when you have to basically tell the world you're back, that's not a very good song.
1: By the way, <laughs> do you want to know what I think is the most arrogant commercial being played right now? I would love to. The most arrogant commercial being played right now is the one where there's the, the little girl and she's on the, her iPad or whatever. And uh, they they show her oh. doing all these different things, and then by the end of it, there's this woman and her, her neighbor comes out and is like, "What are you doing on your computer?" And she goes, "What's a computer?" I saw that ad. It's what? That's because that's- I believe Apple is really trying to redefine the fact that their thing is not a computer, and that we're going to forget what computers are. <laughs> and here's here's somebody who's of the kind of age that will start that revolution. Who will Who will say? I, I don't work on computer I don't even know what a computer is. This is an iPad. Yeah, you know, you know what though?
0: They're, they're probably right. <laughs> I mean, eventually, no, no, look, eventually, here, not now. Look,
1: maybe eventually. But yeah. what I'm saying, it's first off, it's stupid to think that this girl doesn't know what a computer is. Yeah. And she's not saying it in a sarcastic way. Right. She's not being like, what's a computer? <laughs> dick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, you know, she they they make it seem like she actually seriously doesn't know what one is. And I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. We all, I mean, we're not in that society yet and i know but but they're trying to make it seem like i guess they're trying to make it seem like that's what we will be at at some point point. and i don't know i don't know if we we ever will be at a point i think everything in this world still has an audience even fucking radio has an audience mm-hmm. uh all the things that you thought were obsolete still have people who use those things.
2: look at the resurgence of
0: vinyl
1: yeah exactly mm-hmm.
0: I have an 8-track player, or not an 8-track, a reel-to-reel player.
2: Did you see, do you watch Shark Tank, like the new ones on Sunday night? Mm. This guy had this amazing, I don't remember if he got a deal, um, but he's a big vinyl head, and of course vinyl's popular, and he has this little box he created, and you can set a record down on any surface. Put a little box on it, and it's got a needle in there, and it scoots itself around the record and plays music. Has a speaker built in, mm-hmm. and can Bluetooth to a nearby. Speaker. Yeah, my dad was telling me about. Oh, this. now
1: that's cool. You'd be able to Bluetooth. It. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I was just like, you could just put it on your counter or whatever, yeah. and just put this thing. Blew on. my
1: mind. I thought,
2: wow, like, that, like that's really clever. I would never have even thought. Yeah, I anyway. think he got the deal. I or, think he got some kind of deal. Yeah, he yeah. he seemed to. Be a, like a real enthusiast for vinyl. Yeah. Although some of the criticism was, if you really love vinyl, why would you ever play it on this system that doesn't sound quite as great?
0: That's the Grammy logo too. The Grammy thing. Fuck the Grammys. The gramophone. The gramophone. Fuck the. No, the Grammys are good this year.
2: Oh, that 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 alone as a statement sort of says. I know.
0: Well, they're all hip hop, right? Like all the best record nominees are hip hop. Are they? I because it it's childish gambino uh, Yeah, so record of the year it's like it's redbone which i think is my favorite song of the year it's humble um there's a jay-z song there's a i think bruno mars mm-hmm. has one i think it's 24 karat magic which is ridiculous yeah. and there's one more that i think is a hip-hop song no,
1: just you know there's something to be said for a song that you can't avoid and that's 24 karat magic that's a movie well, a...
2: everybody everybody was tryharding on that yeah from the performer to everybody who loved it
1: it's not a pop
2: pop it showtime
1: it's may it may may not be a great song but it was so everywhere that i don't know you
0: oh it's despacito is the is the other one so it's all like non-white it's not uh,
1: uh it's not
0: all uh, i see mother
2: fuck you fuck fucking shit well I'm a, I'm a tad more deaf than i was when i walked in the room <laughs> sorry that my
1: hearing's actually better <laughs> that, that was louder than the thunder